Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Hello, I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. And the measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It, it's really nice. Actually, have a mobile showroom so I can come out to your home or offices at a time that's convenient for you and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this it's not like I've done this one or two times but I've done it many many times so give me a phone call and I'm happy to come out there I do estimates for you right there on the spot and it's all free of charge here's an important message from Vita Scientific if you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. As you know, this is the final stage in your examination. It's a rather informal test in which we try to get some line on your ability to think on your feet. Your reaction to stress and pressure. Clear your desk. Get your number two pencil ready. If you are ready, the Inquisition is about to begin. Nobody is best for Spanish Inquisition. If you have questions.
questions, please refer them to the chat room and make them good. Go ahead, make my day. yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Live from Houston, Texas, a man who calls it like he sees it, without the normal political correctness he may have grown comfortable with. It's time for the Texas Perspective on Current News and Events. This show is not for the faint of heart or easily offended. Chances are you will learn something and along the way get to hear some great music from bands you may have missed. The doctor is in and he will see you now. Well, I guess we better get on with it. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Glad y'all could be here today on the Doc Green Show. Glad to have you. Got a lot to talk about on the show today. Trying to get everything been moving stuff around, guys. Trying to get a new computer hooked up in here. My producer's out running errands, so I'm kind of in here by myself, and it's a uh, it's a uh, great Friday. Wanted to get to a few of the problems we had. Yeah, I'm a little out of breath because I've been running. Um, one of the things you probably don't know, Hillary Clinton during the debate, of course, gave away some top secret information. And, uh, huh, Tommy's here. That's good news. I can come on up. Tommy's a wise man. He knows everybody's studio is armed at all times. If you bust into the studio without prior notice, anything could happen. But um, anyway, Hillary gave away our nuclear response time to the enemy. This is certainly the type of woman you would want to have as president because she'll be completely transparent with our enemies! What the hell is wrong with this woman? Actually, that's of some concern. I mean, Donald Trump wanted to have a drug test done before the debate, but uh, Hillary wouldn't agree to it. So uh, there was no drug test. I'm thinking we drug test athletes. We should drug test presidential candidates. In fact, I think presidential candidates ought to be drug tested on a uh, monthly routine basis. That's what I think. So anyway, get my coconut water here. I love this stuff. If you've never had it, it's wonderful. It's LaCroix coconut water. The There are different thoughts on this. I mean, some people just love it. Some people just hate it. Uh, it's basically like club soda with a little coconut flavor to it. And I kind of I like it myself. So I, uh, I drink uh, gallons of the stuff. And... Uh, Anyway, so Hillary gave that away. She told everybody exactly what our nuclear response time is. That's wonderful, isn't it? And then on top of that, she uh, threatened uh, Russia with, uh, with war. We, we just come out and out told them, hey, we're getting ready to attack you. We're going to do a cyber attack on you. We're going we're gonna to mess you guys up. Now, it's hard for me to believe. I agree with Donald Trump on this. It's hard for me to believe that in the old days, uh, with the exception of when we were going to drop the bomb on Hiroshima, and that's because we knew how horrible it was going to be, we gave them a warning. And we also knew there was no possible way for them to defend against that attack. But in that rare instance, I just can't imagine any of the other great generals going out there and telling the enemy what their war plan was. Hey, we're getting ready to do this, and uh, you guys need to strap in and do what you can do to defend against it. 
in my opinion, you should never, ever, ever broadcast to the enemy what your war plans are. Speaking of broadcasting the enemy what our war plans are, joined by Captain Tommy Attaway. How's it going? Hey, doing good. How are things going with you? Oh, it's going pretty good. Uh, you drove all the way in from Dallas today. Yeah. Uh, here for a meeting tomorrow, and, uh, you know, just thought to come on in a bit early. Well, I'm glad you did, because we had a lot to talk about, and not the least of which is the fact that we are on the verge, in my opinion, of World War III, and right now all it takes is one stupid move, and we're there. Uh, yeah, what we're we're missing here and what hasn't been brought out is what is strategically going on in Syria. There are two key pipelines that run through that country. One originates in Iran and one originates in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And so what Syria does is play them off against each other to see whose oil is going to get preferential treatment. And, of course, it's in the interest of the Russians for oil to come in from Iran since they're allied with them. And of course, the coincidentally, Saudi, so are we. And the Saudi Arabians, uh, of course, own us. Yeah, they do own us. I like how you put that. But I thought I thought we were uh, the financial arm of Iran these days. I mean, we're giving them billions of dollars, and uh, and and a nuclear technology. I do believe if you look, you would find American scientists over in Iran right now, or American finance scientists over in Iran right now, developing their nuclear weapons. All at Tom Clancy. Uh, possibly more likely you've got uh, Iranians who have lived and studied in the United States for years and then returned to Iran. When I was a cadet at Texas A&M, we actually had uh, guys from Iran there in the program at Texas A&M who were going to be officers in the Iranian military. Yeah. And, of course, uh, that was at, at uh, the time uh, of the 79 revolution and Khomeini took over. And then the next day, all of those guys were gone. And I suspect they're all dead now. Oh, my. <laughs> That's interesting. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you in here, Tommy, is uh, I think that we're in a very precarious state. And I'm kind of concerned about what's going to happen over the next 90 days. And I know that you have your pulse on uh, on the uh, military readiness situation in the United States. And I, and, and also, I mean, you know, you, you study a lot of stuff. I was just wondering uh, if you could maybe give us some of your worldview about where we stand. But first, I've got to play this commercial because this is, this is part, of the, part of the equation. Full-time job, scholar on social policy, and a barista. And I'm just like you. I'm an Obama supporter. I support President Obama. But the president needs your help. Our president can't launch into another war without you. And remember, when we voted for him in 2008 and 2012, we promised to support him no matter what. Together, we can do it. That's why we here at the Americans for Whatever Barack Obama Wants, Did You Know He's Friends with Jay-Z, have launched a Kickstarter campaign to fund World War III. And America is dead-ass broke. So our goal is to raise $1.6 trillion on behalf of the U.S. government. That's where you go. Even a small donation would make all the difference. World War III is a very important, very progressive war that Obama tells me is very important. So it must be. When I first saw the president speak in 2008 in a YouTube clip posted to my Facebook page, I knew he was going to be right all the time. So I support World War III. And four. And 
any moon war the president may want to start. I mean, there is no way that he or the cabal of corporate interests, spy agencies, and shadow bankers would tell him what to do, whatever mislead us. <laughs> The $1.6 trillion that we raise will help create a war that truly puts the liberal in neoliberal. There will be millions of troops, thousands of organic grass-fed bombs, hybrid Prius tanks, rockets controlled by iPads, and drones that play the Lumineers while they attack. World War III is not going to be like those other Republican wars fought on just 1% of the world. This war is going to be fought in 99% of the world. It'll be everywhere. Russia, China, Africa, Cincinnati, your favorite brunch spot, the one with those kick-ass ranchero breakfast burritos. Everywhere. World War III will also be the most social media-focused war ever. It'll be all over Twitter, Facebook, Vine, Pinterest, and whatever eventually replaces Pinterest. And I mean, just think of all the hilarious gifts we can make of cats reacting to their owner's homes being obliterated. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of shock. But tons of awe. And come on, guys. How good will Michelle's arms look in sleeveless army fatigue? We have a lot of great rewards for our donors. If you donate $10 to the World War III Project, you'll get a shout-out on social media. Hashtag thank you. A $25 donation will get you a piece of rubble from a war-torn Middle Eastern country kissed by Senator Lindsey Graham. A $100 donation gets you a day pass to leave your local refugee camp. You'll probably end up in a refugee camp, but it'll have free Wi-Fi. And a $10 million donation gets you your own senator for a year. So please, help us reach our goal of $1.6 trillion so we can make World War III a reality. Why? Because Obama. Because Obama. <laughs> Had to get that public service announcement out there. So anyway, where were we, Tommy, before we went to that? Where I do mean, I sign up? It's funny, but it's not funny. Uh, you don't have enough ammunition stockpiled for what's <laughs> about to go down. I believe that's right. In fact, that's that's what worries me. That's pretty much the, the situation. All right, well, we, we started with Russia, so it's just run around the, the world. Obviously, Russia's strategic interest is in a, a couple of things. Obviously, expansion, you know, the, the traditional warm water port, you know, which is why they took Crimea. Uh, mm-hmm. But, of course, they're still bottlenecked to the, the Bosphorus Straits. But uh, they're trying to finance their arms industry through, obviously, oil sales and exports. And, of course, who buys Russian military equipment? Well, it's certainly nobody in Western Europe. You know, it's certainly nobody in the modern world. And so that means, you know, sales to the Middle East because, well, they've got money. And uh, to a lesser extent to Asia, you know, for those countries that have get some oil out of the, the South China Sea, which brings us now to the uh, uh, I'm going to ignore Russian expansion in, into Eastern Europe for now. We'll, we'll come back to that at the end. Uh, then, of course, as we, we run to the East um, China, obviously they're on an aggressive expansionist pro- policy. Uh, one of the things that's important to remember there is that throughout the last 30 years of the 1800s into the early 1900s, 
Japan was on an expansionist course in Asia, and both Russian and Chinese policy in Asia has been trying to reverse those gains. And so that's why you have the conflict over the South China Sea. Um, Japan is rearming. Uh, obviously, China's arming up. And they have reorganized the People's Liberation Army so that there's now a fifth branch, which is responsible for strategic operations, meaning computers and nuclear weapons. And it's kind of interesting that they put those together in the same operational framework under the uh, same command structure. Well, not necessarily, of course, because, after all, it's all going to be controlled by iPads. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> we no, that, uh, you know, Internet's a real strategic part of this. Um, and, and, of course, you know, the, the, South Korea, the South Koreans are worried about the North Koreans who are uh, a little bit wacky. And, you no. know, the, the first Clinton gave them the bomb, and, you know, the next Clinton is certainly going to probably stand by while they use it. Yeah, why do we not hear anything on the news, by the way, about how Bill Clinton armed North Korea and gave them their nuclear capability? Well, you know, it's all about uh, how you, you think you're going to expand the U.S. economy. <laughs> I guess that's what he <laughs> uh, thought of oh, uh, as, God. as international trade. Well, just don't forget, everything that's going wrong in North Korea, guys, share with your friends. It's a direct result of Bill Clinton and Madeleine Albright. Uh, ter- a terrible, terrible foreign policy situation we have with Bill Clinton. And and uh, they they put them in a position, not to mention, at that point in time, China couldn't get a rocket across the street. Well, that's changed. And, of course, they're about to uh, put to sea their second aircraft carrier. And who changed that? Well, they bought the first one from the Russians. Um, and yeah, but course, that was the one they couldn't get across the street. Yeah, uh, and of course, you know, obviously stealing uh, various technologies from us, you know, it, it's improved their capability. Now they're still uh, not at the point for steam catapult launch for fighters off of aircraft. That's probably with their, their third one, um, their third carrier. I expect they'll probably come up with something even better than that. I mean, their chinks are kind of, kind of, you know, they're technologically pretty, pretty advanced. Yeah, I think their third carrier is probably going to be a... a Pretty good copy of our Nimitz-class carriers. How wonderful. I wanted to bring up the name Laurel Space Industries. Uh, Okay. Laurel Space Industries were prohibited by law from selling any of our technology to our enemies, which would include, at that time, any of the communist nations. But Bill Clinton signed a special release so Laurel could go over there and develop their second-stage rockets for them. Yeah, uh, one of the interesting things about U.S. foreign policy, of course, is that we refuse to acknowledge that the regime in Cuba exists. We don't have anything to do with them because we want to change their stupid communist policies, mm-hmm. as opposed to China, where we give them everything we've got in order to change their stupid economic communist policies. <laughs> I'm confused. Is this is a lab? <laughs> is, that a con- is there a control there? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm confused. <laughs> well, I'm a little confused myself. Um, Speaking of confusion, I have to mention this. Tomorrow, KD Christian Ministries is going to be having their Heroes Race Against Domestic Violence. It's a 5K run, but you can't just show up and run for this thing. You have to show up dressed as your favorite superhero. I got one here from Andy Valadez. Uh, he's got his Iron Man mask on. He kind of looks cool with that Iron Man mask on, as a matter of fact. Uh, Good deal. Marine there. But it's going to be tomorrow. And uh, you got to get there at 6.30 a.m. to get your name in there. And the race starts at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning at 5504 First Street out in Katy, Texas. So uh, 
You, some of you guys that like to run for fun, always reminds me of some Back to the Future movie. Yeah. Uh, that like to run for fun, you got time to uh, drive over, get a hotel room, and be ready to rock in the morning. So, uh, and you're doing it for a good cause. Heroes race against domestic violence. Uh, we we got to solve this problem. And they do a lot of good things out there at Katie Christian Ministries. So I just wanted to get that out of there. Uh, we're trying to stop lots of forms of violence here. I guess the one that I'm, I'm most worried about, though, is the forms of violence that we're on the verge of experiencing from foreign governments. So we talked about China a little bit. China, by the way, has uh, not only taken over part of the Philippines, but now I understand the president of the Philippines has totally given up on the United States and uh, said, okay, we're going to dance with China for a while. I know some of the audience isn't going to, to like the source of this quote, but it's from Henry Kissinger, so I'll go ahead and tell you <laughs> right now. Yeah, but you have to say it like Henry Kissinger. <laughs> yeah. Um, to, to be a, a friend, uh, to be an enemy of the United States is very hazardous, but to be a friend of the United States can be fatal. Oh, my. And this comes to a flaw in our foreign, in our government, whereas we reelect an entirely new policy every four years. Uh, yeah, but they're mostly retreads from you know the two political parties who basically have failed us greatly as a, a people. Well, the Democrats at, have run out. I mean, they're out of talent. They got uh, Clintons, and I don't, there's not going to be any more Obamas. But well, they got Clintons. Yeah, from my point of view, the Democrats have been subverted by the Communist Party, and, and so what you've essentially got are international communists running their foreign policy. While on the Republican end, you've got a foreign policy which is very internationalist oriented and of course is designed to help the large corporations which are the inordinate source of Republican Party support. And I think, you know, Nigel Forage had it at correct at the, the CPAC convention where he said the the challenge for two thousand sixteen was the Republican Party had to decide who it was going to represent. Large corporations or the people of the United States. Hmm. And, you know, that's what the primary fight was really about. And if you look at where I don't know if that's a really hard choice as far as the Republican establishment goes. Uh, correct. And, and so, you know, that's why you've got them trying to torpedo Trump at every opportunity after he won the nomination. So what's happening, of course, Tom Meckler, the chairman of the Republican Party here in Texas, I mean, he, he, uh, he is the business guy. He said, no, we got to support big business. That's what's really important. I forgot to bring my pail of water for him to carry for me. <laughs> the water boy, Tom Meckler. That's right, because uh, he said you got to carry the water for these reps. Uh, you, you can't abuse them when they screw up. you got to carry the water for them. I don't know if you heard my show yesterday, though. I kind of I did. Uh, you, you heard me abusing uh, uh, Kevin Brady. Yes. Yeah. And he deserved it. Well, he did deserve it. But what was amazing to me is after that meeting, I don't remember if I mentioned it on the show, you know, I had been to a taxpayers' meeting where I got two raucous rounds of applause for my statements. Yesterday, I got grumbling for interrupting Mr. Brady and not showing proper obeisance. One guy came up and said, thank you. I don't know why the rest of them don't see it. Turns out he's, uh, he's an expat from uh, England, uh, Roger Keat, a uh, very interesting fellow, and uh, he couldn't understand it. Well, you're, you're a businessman, so you can understand what I'm about to say next. Okay, who's the customer in this relationship? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. And they were there to serve Kevin Brady. Yes. 
And Kevin Brady allegedly came to present something to them that would be a benefit to them. But in, in all reality, it wasn't. What he, what he did yesterday, I mean, if you heard his whole speech, and I played it, he came out and said, hey, we're going to get it all down to a postcard. I just happen to have that postcard right here. We're going to get it all down to a postcard. That's how easy we're going to make it. Well, I looked at this postcard, and it's not that easy. It's well, I've been hearing this for the last 30 years. Yeah, for, for 30 years. And how long have the Republicans been in charge over the last 30 years? Quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. You know, It's not like you didn't have any opportunity to do this. At one point in time, when uh, Bush 43 was in office, we had total hegemony. Republican president, Republican Senate, Republican House. And what tax reforms did they make? Which gets us back to the, the best question ever asked to Tom Meckler. So how many Republicans does it take? Yeah. Give me a right. number. Yeah. You know, and, give me a number I can work toward. But he didn't answer that, did he? Uh, of course not, because, you know, then we're getting into holding people accountable and, and some responsibility from elected leaders. And, well, you know, that, that just uh, those are some unpleasant questions right there. Well, apparently so, yeah. Tex said 30 years and they fixed nothing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Cutler said he had some uh, uh, Filipinos living next to him, and they went back to the Philippines. So, uh, and he said they were good people. He misses them. I wouldn't well, want to know, be the in the government of the right Philippines. Now. You know, they realize which direction the wind is blowing. But this is, in my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, I see this as disaster. Oh, it is. Clark Air Force Base was a huge strategic Air Force Base for us because it put us in a position to deal with stuff over in the Asian theater, and Absolutely. now we don't have that anymore. But, you know, very, you know, centrally located there in the Pacific. So, you know, you're in a, a position to support South Korea, Japan, um, you know, uh, Taiwan, Republic of China. And, you know, it, it is a key strategic location in the Pacific. And, you know, the fact that the Filipinos have decided that the United States uh, no longer is a credible ally and represents a strategic deterrent to China, you know, tells you how things are, are rolling in, in Asia. So we've actually totally, un, under the Obama administration, we have totally destroyed our position of prominence in the world, in, in my opinion. Quite true. And you know, one of the things that has been key to keeping Asia stable over the past 50 years has been the economic growth of South Korea and Japan. You know, strangely, you know, how, how the worm turns, but uh, certainly under MacArthur's uh, domination and occupation of Japan, you know, he, he was able to subtly change and make a change in that culture and, uh, you know, it helped keep Asia stable. And, you know, this is no longer going to be the case because we are poised now for conflict between China, Japan, and South Korea. And, um, of course, Australia is, you know, hanging down there, you know, having a look at what's going on. And, you know, ultimately, it's important to us now because almost everything that we use isn't made here. Yeah, that's the truth. We have virtually no manufacturing left. I mean, uh, the joke about U.S. steel, I haven't done my research on that, but as I'm under the impression there's almost no U.S. steel to be purchased. Very little. It's all specialty steel production, which means it's going into aircraft, engine turbines, uh, you know, very, very 
exotic, high tolerance, high precision uh, manufacturing, and you know just your basic you know bulk steel you know, that's you know girders for bridges and buildings. Uh, I don't think it's made here. Well, that's what I what I'm saying. So you know my my uh, comment the other night at the the debate was if. Uh, Trump had wanted to use U.S. steel, chances are there wouldn't have been enough available for him to meet his, his uh, building deadlines. And one of the other things is, of course, the, the cost of that steel, and that it gets back to what the real issue is, which is government regulation and you know, government interference in the economy all the way down from who you can hire to environmental regulations to you name it. And, you know, this... Tr- imposes a tremendous cost on, on business and you know it's killed the economy and, and you know i was hoping to, to hear from the debate on wednesday after hillary gives her all of the government programs that she's going to establish in order to get the the economy improved you know mm-hmm. all trump had to say was here's the difference between us instead of having the government do all of this i'm going to get the government out of the way so businessmen can actually do business what a what a novel concept yeah well, uh, and, you know, this is our, our problem is that now the public conversation is no longer about whether or not government should be doing this, but how much government are we going to get coming at us? Well, that's that's uh, if you if we get Hillary, you, you don't even want to think about that. That's why I loved uh, Donald Trump's idea about cutting taxes massively. And, of course, uh, all of the uh, liberals in the media poo-poo that as uh, not being important without understanding that one of the problems they had when they came in and said, well, we're going to tax the rich. Then the rich ended up being a bunch of mom-and-pop industries that had four or five or six employees that were just you know, trying to make ends meet. But, unfortunately, their total income was up in the quarter of a million a year. Yeah, so, you know, if, if you look at what the, the government is spending, okay, let's call it, you know, $3.5 trillion just for, for grins, mm-hmm. okay? That's like $100 billion a day. So, all right, we're going to eat the rich. All right, Trump, give it up. Let's say he's worth $10 billion. Okay, so he finances the government for one hour, and he's dead. He's gone. That's it. All right, you know, Perot doesn't even finance it for half an hour. He's gone. All right, we got Bill Gates. He can finance it for half a day. <laughs> he's wiped he's out. Gone. Okay. This he, is it, a war you cannot win. Yeah. And all right, you know, at best, okay, they can get enough money for a third of the government for one year. Then what happens? Well, now this goes back to that old song by ten years after, you might recall it, but there's a line in the song that said Tax the rich, feed the poor, till there are no, no rich, rich no, no more. more. You got it. And you know, e- even an old hippie could see the problem. Could, yeah, the could, could you know figure that out eventually. And of course, that's the the point of having an education. You know, you you have some semblance of a cause and effect relationship. Uh, that's why you have modern education today, which totally is designed to destroy any semblance of rational thought, so that it's all feel good. Exactly. Uh, Frank chimed in here, said they have policies and different ways of getting to the same place. The Republican Party has been infiltrated by communist globalists who call themselves Republicans, uh, like uh, Paul Rhino, (laughs) to name one. Well, and and this again gets back to, okay, our current problem is when you have a government that is outside of its constitutional limits, 
doing things it's not supposed to be doing, somebody benefits from that. Indeed. And of course, if you're a Democrat, then you know your trough is all of the public sector employees and your non-governmental organizations getting grants from all of that. And if you're a Republican, well, then you want government contracts for supplying all of this stuff. No doubt. Be right back on the Doc Green Show. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-A-C-N-Heat.com. BDACandHeat.com. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. The doctor is in.
Okay, and here we are back on the Doc Green Show. And this is the guest, Tommy Attaway. And I've got the doctor out on a mission right now who has just returned. And so here we are. Okay, uh, so looking at this, we have, of course, our own strategic interests around the world, which are essentially trying to preserve the liberty of our citizens. That is our number one imperative. Of course, our government doesn't agree with that, but no. <laughs> but you know, just, just just humor me for a moment. And that requires a couple of things uh, that we have to do around the world. First of all, we have to eliminate uh, the Islamic threat, and that is a long-term vital interest of ours, and it's going to be extremely unpleasant and ugly. And to put it in terms of ancient Rome, Carthage must be destroyed. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. the only possibility is that we can uh, fence it off into its own sandbox, as it were. There may be some possibility that a strand of Islam can reconcile with the, the modern world, but until it does... It's an existential threat to Western civilization, and we have to treat it as such. Obviously, the other interest that we have is in Europe, uh, in South Korea, in Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and to a lesser extent now the Philippines. We've had a tradition for the last 50 years of assisting those countries essentially become first world countries. It's been successful in South Korea. You know, it took several years. It really wasn't until the 1980s, 1990s that you really had a functioning uh, Republican form of government in place. Mm -hmm. But it happened. Um, you've got one in Japan. Uh, the Philippines you know, are still having that struggle. Uh, in, in terms of maturing politically, and you know that's also hampered their industrial uh, development as well. Not to mention they have a big Muslim problem in the Philippines too. Not to mention, and you know if you look at where things are regressing, and you look at an increase in Muslim population, you tend to see a correlation. Yeah, somebody should be paying attention to that. You would think, but not me. No, I mean, you know, not, no. not us, but. Not like we'll ever have a problem with Muslims here in the United States. Uh, all of our Muslims are peaceful Muslims. And so in order to, to come full circle and, and get back to our relationship with Russia, an effective diplomacy on our part would realize that we have a commonality of interest in keeping Islam at bay and out of Europe and out of Western civilization. And if we had good diplomats, we would then be able to leverage that commonality of interest to limiting Russian influence in the former Eastern Bloc mm -hmm. and communist-controlled countries uh, who right now are busy rearming and are trying to get the attention of anybody in Washington because Poland and the Baltic Republics and the Czech Republic really want U.S. troops stationed in their countries as a security guarantee. And, of course, one of the things that has you know, been the, the hallmark you of... You mean like we're doing in Afghanistan? Yeah, right. Uh, you know, one of the hallmarks... I've been watching that new show under fire, fire by the way. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's a really dicey proposition because one of the things that, that has been the case of this administration is that a U.S. military presence really is no security guarantee at all. Yeah, because? Well, because, again, you, you have a total lack of leadership that recognizes what our interests around the world are and operates a policy that supports those interests. Yes. So, for example, we went and essentially won the peace and had a good start in Iraq, and then we pulled out so that the enemy could have a chance to regroup. Uh, I would have seen Iraq after the surge as being somewhat stabilized, but it was still a dicey proposition. You know, one of the things is that, you know, anybody who shows up uh, with a, a weapon and is going to fix your country is generally going to be regarded hostile. And in fact, in my current writing exercise, uh, when I use, I'm using some quotes at the beginning of every chapter. Uh, and that's going to be one of those that is actually put in in order to kind of get you to think that, you know, you've got a whole lot of folks coming to the United States, and they're bringing some hostility with them. No fooling. Except for those Arabs. They're that's peaceful. An the Muslims, they're peaceful. All the Somalis and, and Syrians, they're all peaceful. Um, I think that there's probably several <laughs> rape victims that would disagree with that oh. assessment. Well, as a matter of fact, that was one of the stories I had to, I was going to talk about today. Uh, eight, eight Muslims gang rape underage girls. They say white girls are slags. The only thing they're good for is sex. And it was portrayed in the, uh, in the press that this was an Asian rape gang. Yeah, that, that's the politically correct version in the United Kingdom. So, you know, they don't refer to... Um, Pakistanis or you know such they're they're Asian. Well, let me give you these Southwest Asian Asians. these Asian names. Then you can tell me if you think they're Korean, Japanese, oh, okay, or okay. Chinese. Let, let, hold on. Out of the eight of them, I'm going to say we got at least fifty percent Mohammed coefficient here. Uh, no, not quite. We only oh, have, oh, I missed it. Yeah, out out of we only have twenty percent Mohammeds. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mohammed Huyed. Uh, and uh, then we have, uh, I thought we had one more Mohammed. Nope, we only got one Mohammed. Only one Mohammed, Huyed. Uh, Sagir Hussein, Obama. No, his no, name's no, not no, Obama, no. but he's related to Hussein Obama, I'm sure, somewhere. We got Istiak Khalik, Walid Ali, Asif Ali, one of their brothers. Uh, they were both in their 30s. Uh, Masood Malik. Uh, Basharat Hussein and Naeem Rafiq joined Muhammad in raping these girls. Uh, Asians, all of them. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, there were no Muslims involved. Oh, oh just, no. these, just these Asians were involved. But uh, once again, the news media, are they trying to kill us just by, they try to lie and hide everything. I mean, it's like you never hear anywhere talking about the fact the shooter in Dallas, your your hometown, yeah. was a Muslim. That's a Nation of Islam guy, yeah. Yeah, the, they said he was just Black Lives Matter. They didn't mention the Muslim thing. And then the, the shooter in New Orleans was a Muslim. 
You know, one of the things about studying the, the liberal way of thinking is that it gives you insights into a five-year-old. Now, you see, if you, you study the five-year-old over time, that five-year-old, as a rule, is going to mature, and, and you know, his mindset, you know, the way that he processes information and thinks is going to change. But liberals remain static, so you know they make very <laughs> They're stuck good at five. Plays. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, somebody said one time you can't fix stupid. That's pretty much true. <laughs> well, I just wanted I wanted people to realize uh, six of the gang members were also found guilty of additional charges of sexually abusing three other young girls, and they're now facing jail. Oh yeah, they're facing jail. Well, now but- one of the young guys was twenty seven. Most of these girls are, are under the age of 13, by the way. Yeah, that was the whole thing about the, the whole Rotherham scandal is that the best estimates right now is that uh, there's at least 1,400 victims. You know, this was, this 1,400. Oh, yeah, this has been going on for over a dozen years. My goodness. Well, and then to top it off, all of the evidence disappeared. The clothes that she was wearing when she was raped by Sagir were lost, and they can't find their clothes. Uh, hey, now, remember, this is the UK. So, you know, it's like I was told at, at Heathrow when my bag didn't uh, arrive on yeah. the same plane I did. No, 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 your bag's not lost. It's been temporarily mislaid. <laughs> Reminds me of the guy at the Rolls-Royce that uh, broke down. The guy said, your Rolls Royce did not break down. It simply failed to proceed. Yeah. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> you got you to gotta love the Brits. But guys, look, this is coming. This is here. In fact, it's, it's here. going on right here in Texas. In Amarillo. In Amarillo. Yeah. To be specific. If, uh, actually, I'm sure it's happening here, Dallas, you know, every major metropolitan area. Uh, so I happen to be driving down the street because uh, business need to, uh, we're going to have a look at the, the Plano School District, and they have an adjunct administration mm-hmm. building, which shares a parking lot with the Islamic Education Center. Oh, Plano. how nice. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, you know, need to do a little bit of research to see who's funding this, and is it part of the school district? Oh, it is. Just like in HISD, where we have a total Arabic immersion school, where they teach the Koran and the five pillars of Islam to our young skulls full of mush using taxpayer dollars. And I was telling a guy yesterday. I think not. (laughs) I was telling a guy yesterday about this. He had no clue. Of course not. You know, the last thing that any of these people want is to have an informed public that knows what they're doing and where the money is coming from. See, I would think if that was on the news every night for a week or two, I would think there'd be some outrage. But you know, th- this is one of the things that, that kind of worries me uh, about even Texas in the future. Okay, you know, we, we've got Breitbart, which is supposed to be conservative journalism. Supposed to be. Okay, we have was this, at one time. Yeah, we have this network, you know, and a few others, you know, that are struggling to make it. And you know, these networks are turning out good journalism, good stories, and it's getting no play. None. I don't know what to say. Guys, i got to hit a couple of breaks. Going to be right back. It's Tommy Attaway live in studio. And by the way, uh, while we're on break, it would be a great time for you to go to Amazon.com and get a copy of We Defy by Tommy Attaway. Hi, I'm Pastor Stephen Broden. We're a few days away from one of the most important elections in our lifetime. This election, we will determine our community's future. 
Things have got to change for our community. We need school choice, better school and educational results for our children, economic development and more jobs, support for traditional marriage and traditional family values. We need policies that affirm gender-specific bathrooms and showers that protect the privacy and safety of our girls and mothers. Policies that protect our religious liberties. Liberal progressive policies have gotten us nothing and are threatening our traditional Judeo-Christian values. It's time that we as a community take another look at the Republican Party. Vote straight Republican ticket this election cycle for our future and for our community. Paid for by the black conservatives of Dallas, Texas. Southeast Texas, be there. The Turn Jefferson County Red Freedom Fest. The event of the election season, Sunday, October 30th, at the beautiful outdoor Ford Pavilion in Beaumont, featuring Lone Star. Generation, get fired up to vote. Enjoy some great speeches from prominent GOP office holders and conservative personalities. Seats starting at $25. Relaxing lawn seats, $5. Ticket proceeds benefit the 100 Club, the Turn Jefferson County Red Freedom Fest. Brought to you by the Jefferson County Republican Party and Chairman Dr. Garrett Peel. Featuring Lone Star, David Joel, and Generation. Concert starts at 4 p.m. For tickets, visit Eventbrite, TurnJeffersonCountyRed.com, or RagingElephantsRadio.com. Did you know that this election cycle is perhaps one of the most important in our lifetime? Our community has been asked a provocative question. What do you have to lose to vote differently this time around? How we voted over the last 50 years has gotten us nothing. We're in the same condition we were in since the beginning of the war on poverty. To vote differently this time means better educational opportunities for our children, economic development in our communities and job creation, safer neighborhoods and protection of our religious liberty. Supporting liberal policies have gotten us gender confusion and legalized same-sex marriage. It's time we take another look at the Republican Party. Vote straight Republican ticket for our future and for our community. Texas Specialties is in a little town of 1,000, Three Rivers, Texas. Texas Specialties is a small family business in a town where treating people right is a way of life. The Stubbs family, Texas Specialties. Started out doing high-quality T-shirts for Texas music scene bands at affordable prices. Everything, the design, the artwork, the printing, accepting minimum orders, even selling T-shirts for the bands online. And now they bring that experience to you anywhere in Texas. Texas Specialties. 
can do the same for any small business, for teachers, for schools, dance classes, athletic teams, clubs, and anyone needing good quality screen printing at an affordable price. The Stubbs family loves to work with ideas and the people who have them. Your experience with Texas Specialties will be excellent. Anything less just will not do. Call 361-784-2052. 361-784-2052. Click Texas Specialties. Add on RagingElephantsRadio.com. Howdy, Texas. I'm Pastor Kendall Baker, your candidate for House District 137 in Houston. I'm a Liberty Republican facing an incumbent liberal Democrat. This seat can be flipped from blue to red. How? I helped in the fight to defeat the Houston bathroom law. Enough voters in my district said no to the law to give me the victory on November 8th. Wherever you are in Texas, I need your help to reach those voters and win. Then I'll be in Austin to help close the border and end sanctuary cities. Repeal property and franchise taxes. Protect religious liberty and, as always, the lives of the unborn. As a Liberty Republican, I want Texas to reach her potential as a cradle of real freedom. Let's grow the Texas House Liberty Caucus. There's only 19. I'd like to join their fight under the pink dome. Your donation to my campaign is critical in these last days. Please visit my website, BakerForTexas.com, and make a contribution for Texas Liberty. BakerForTexas.com. God bless Texas. Paid political ad by Baker for Texas campaign. By the way, I've met Kendall Baker. He's a genuine good guy, a real patriot, and a true conservative. In the few minutes left in this hour, uh, we're talking with Tommy Attaway, former captain in the U.S. Army, and he keeps his pulse on things. Still got a few friends out there. Uh, some of you guys have probably figured out that I have ADD, and uh, so we, we kind of move around. We take the shotgun approach, and, uh, and we use multiple different types of rounds, even in the shotgun. So I want to get back to where we started. Um, we've got Russian warships forming off the coast of Norway. They've got fighter bombers up there, and uh, probably setting up for the final assault on Aleppo, which, quite frankly, I think Russia's over there doing the job we're purported to be doing. I believe they are going after Assess or ISIS, whereas I believe that uh, the United States forces were supporting ISIS. But that's just my view on it. Tommy can disabuse me of that uh, if he wants to. But um, is is this a real problem? Is this something we should be concerned about over the next 90 days? Uh, Yeah, because obviously power expands to fill a vacuum. And the United States is, in terms of world power, uh, collapsing in on itself. Um, we see, you know, in order to look at, at the services briefly, um, the Air Force, as is normal, is enamored with a very expensive toys, meaning the F-35. And after it finishes procurement and gets rid of all of the F-15s, F-16s, A-10s, and everything else, mm-hmm. they'll be down to about 750 airframes. And, you know, the thing is, is that... That seems like a really small number to me. Well, if you consider that, you know, during World War II, he would launch 1,000-plane raids on Germany. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty small. Uh, Yeah, and, you know, the thing is, you know, that one airframe can't be airborne continuously. You know, it has limitations. There are maintenance. I mean, you got to do maintenance. I'm a jet mechanic for crying out loud. You got to do, do maintenance. maintenance. And you know, you just can't keep the operational tempo up with such a low number of airframes. Yeah. And so, you know, that's my concern. Well, we used to take aircraft out of service on a routine basis, so we could really go over them. 
look for hairline cracks, find uh, any chafed lines, uh, you know, rubbing electrical stuff, things and, like that. And it that. always has the, the Pentagon syndrome of whenever you have a decision between making a weapon system simple or more complex, mm-hmm. they'll go for more complex every time. Every time. And, and, Which you know, the Russians seem to be smarter than, than us in some respects. Well, you, you've got to remember what the thing was supposed to do. And uh, here's a real easy story back from the 1950s with the Army and the M14 rifle. Mm-hmm. So obviously we had the M1 Garand that won World War II in, in Korea. A and lot of people still consider that to be a very fine weapon. It, it is an excellent weapon. It, it, within, that's it, within its parameters. And so, you know, now we, we've got NATO, and there's now a NATO standard rifle cartridge. And so, okay, the United States needs a weapon to, to use that cartridge. Mm-hmm. So the Army starts off with the proposition that, well, what we really need is just a magazine-fed M1 Garand for that cartridge. Good idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what the M14 starts off to be, but wait. We also have the Browning automatic rifle in the squad. It uses the same cartridge. And what are we going to do for an automatic weapon? Well, we can just put a switch in the M14 and make it sometimes fire automatic. Well, except now it's no longer just a magazine-fed M1 Garand. It's now something else. And so every time the decision was, okay, are we going to add more complexity or are we going to field a magazine-fed M1 Garand? More complexity was added, and so the production rate for M14s never went over 10,000 a month. And so it comes the Berlin crisis here at the Cold War, 1961, mm-hmm. and the U.S. Army in Europe is equipped with M1 Garand. And, and we don't have a fully automatic weapon. That's it. And, and so the, the the press is, you know, some press watchdog gets on this and says. Where are the M14s? Where's this wonder weapon? You know, where's the wonder weapon? Why isn't it in Europe? You know, where do we need it? And, you know, so this is the, the story behind military procurement is that instead of having a number of weapons or a number of things that do a task exceptionally well, the tendency is to try to do the one wonder weapon that does everything. And that incre- increases complexity, therefore it greatly increases cost, which yeah. means that you don't have as many of those weapons. And, you know, I like to tell the story, we looked at World War II. One country had jet fighters. One country had guided missiles. Okay? One country had the best submarines. That same country had the best tanks. Yeah. That same country had the first select fire semi-automatic assault weapon. That country lost. <laughs> so the lesson is the lesson is there is a quality quantity trade-off and getting the optimum mix is an extremely difficult thing to do and probably takes the work of some people with some real military experience to figure that out well that's what i that's what i would uh, agree with okay guys we're going to hit a break we're going to be right back on the doc green show we're going to shift gears a little bit on the other side of this got tommy attaway out of Dallas. Now's a good time to uh, go to Amazon.com and buy his book, We Defy. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air.
I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great, and service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It, it's really nice. Actually, have a mobile showroom so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this it's not like I've done this one or two times but I've done it many many times so give me a phone call and I'm happy to come out there I do estimates for you right there on the spot and it's all free of charge you just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually re Reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. The doctor is in. And I got Tommy Attaway live in the studio today. We're live on YouTube. We are live on Facebook. And in a little while, I'm going to play some music that will probably get my pee-pee whacked. But we're going to do that. 
Got to say uh, howdy to Rodney out there, Texas Concealed Gun Owner. Thanks for being there. Gary Parr, Robert Litton, always a pleasure. Ron Ickles, BJ Cordes, and uh, Ad Hogomola, Stephen. I don't know what uh, new guy. I haven't seen you before, but appreciate you being part of the show today as well. It's great to have Rod Eccles listening uh, in. Yeah, he's a good guy. In fact, he was up at the Capitol uh, when we did that thing up there, I believe. So, um, among things we're dealing with, we're talking about the Russians. Now, Tommy told me uh, to answer your question, uh, t- t- I believe it was Tex that asked it, said we'd seen some Russian ships out in the Gulf. Uh, you were saying that's kind of a normal thing. Well, obviously, they make uh, port calls in, in Cuba uh, regularly, and you know, then you have the all of the fishing fleet that's delivering AKs in and about Central and South America. Well, it's funny you should mention that, because uh, Rusty told me that uh, a mutual friend uh, had shown him where there's a warehouse south of the border, and it is full of AK-47s. Well, if you, if you remember box. back during the first Clinton years, the River of Iron, guns going to Mexico from the United States. Yeah, Okay. and so, eventually ending up in Paris, France. Uh, you know, obviously a few got uh, mislaid. So, <laughs> They they come a, across a, a crate of real live M16s, you know, that were were uh, found at a crime scene in Mexico. And of course, you know, this is proof of you know all of this gun trafficking between the United States and into well, Mexico. Planned to prove and, until they, they ran the serial numbers on yeah. those weapons. Those weapons came from the Army of the Republic of Vietnam. Oh really? I didn't hear about this. See, that's new news. Yeah, and, you know, this is the, the point of all of your, your communist government's arms traffic. Yeah, that's how they get hard currency for an exchange. Yeah, and you've got to have hard currency if you're going to operate. If you can operate internationally. You know, they really don't care about North Vietnamese piesters or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. nobody wants that crap. Okay? It, it's U.S. dollars. And if you want U.S. dollars, well, you sell weapons or oil. See, that's still hard for me to believe because I happen to know what the dollar's worth. And uh, it's not worth that much. Uh, guaranteed, it's worth exactly one-twentieth of what it was worth in 1964. Quite true. But, uh, of course, what are your other options? Well, you got a point. A lot of people uh, thought the euro was going to be it, but they're in real trouble. Yeah, they're busy imploding. And, in fact, they're about to get into trouble next month in that the only country that will be able to sell bonds that meet the qualifications for the European Central Bank to buy, or, of course, the Germans. And, okay, once you... Because they're still producing a product. Uh, yeah, but, you know, the, you know, there's limits to everything. You know, you, yeah. you can subsume Germany as well. It, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the point here is, is that, okay, European governments, with the exception of Germany, will have difficulty placing their bonds. That's obviously going to depress the value of the euro, cause interest rates to rise. Um, you know, interest rates here in the United States have been held abnormally low by the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. And even at that, we had a deficit this past year of just under $600 billion. Yeah. And you know, once interest rates return to historical norms. We, we now talk about $600 billion like it's chump change. It's like nothing. You know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> almost like it was real money. Yeah. God. But, yeah, we're in a serious problem because... Uh, that's going to put the federal government's deficits up over a trillion a year. And, of course, that can't continue indefinitely. No. 
you know, we're, we're going to get massive inflation. And, you know, this is where, you know, I have, of course, interesting discussions on the should Texas leave the United States or, or not. And, you know, there's a, a loyal contingent of folks that want to hang in there and, and fix the United States. But once they destroy the value of your currency, things go bad really fast. Well, you know, we were having a discussion yesterday talking about the the value of the currency or the or the disvalue in the currency. But the guy said, look, if interest rates ever kind of normalize, because right now we have banks actually doing the negative interest thing, actually paying you to take the money, so yeah. to speak. Uh, but he said if interest rates ever normalize, and let's say they normalize to, say, 6%, and, of course, I remember during the Carter administration when they were 19%. Yeah. But let's suppose they normalized to 6%. He said the interest on the debt would be nearly $1 trillion a year. Correct. My God. We're, this is serious stuff. Yeah, we are extremely close to Weimar Germany. And, you know, where the, the currency becomes valueless. And, you know, this is one of the reasons that, at least from my point of view, drives is, is one of the, the big drivers. And so in my literary, literary efforts, uh, you see your reference to a sound money system because, well, you're going to get there one way or another. And if you do it proactively, you insulate yourself from, a, I think, a fair amount of the shock. And, um, you know, there, there are plans on, on how to do that. And, of course, it's interesting because the IRS always reacts to people trying to do things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now they have an administrative regulation that, well, silver coins are really collector's items. They're not real money. And, of course, this is going to be interesting because if you go take a roll of silver quarters down to your local bank and say, I want paper money for that, what are you going to get? Well, they'd be they'd be happy to take them, but I mean, yeah, yeah. If you yeah. go to the bank and swap a silver quarter, you're going to need four of them to get a dollar. Yeah, so you know the IRS is, is trying to, to hone in on those things, and of course, a lot of people who have been doing these sorts of programs have left themselves vulnerable to it. And you know, one of the guys that that got zapped, um, what he did was that he was declaring that he was paying employees in silver when he was actually paying them with Federal Reserve note currency. And so, like I say, the point is, if you've got any now chance explain of, that. I want, I want yeah, elucidate on that because I want to make sure that we get uh, get that out. Okay. Um, so what he was doing was that he was declaring on the W twos and ten ninety nines on people working for him that he was paying them in silver. So, for example, um, somebody was getting paid say um, seven dollars and fifty cents a day. Mm-hmm. for a contract job. Okay. But the actual envelope that he would give that person uh, was $100 in Federal Reserve notes, you know, printed U.S. currency, you know, with Andrews Jackson. So he said he was paying them silver, but he wasn't paying them But he silver. wasn't. Now, that would seem counterintuitive to me. It seemed to me like he'd be losing money by doing that. No, he was. And, of course, that was the other part of the the thing is that he was showing an accounting loss and, you know, by that way, of course, avoiding tax. And so, you know, there's a couple of things that played into this, you know, that gave the IRS an opening to nail him. And, of course, they did. And so if you give, you know, if, you're, if there's any vulnerability in, in what you're doing, it will be exploited. 
if they get the chance to do so. Well, see, I came across the guy that was actually paying his employees in silver dollars, mm-hmm. real American silver dollars, the new Liberty, what is Liberty silver dollar or something like that. Um, okay. You can buy them from the Mint. They say $1 on them. But uh, he was actually uh, paying them in that. Um, and, of course, I, those silver dollars are kind of expensive to buy, but nonetheless, uh, by showing that he's paying the employee that, the employee at least claims a much smaller amount. Yeah, that's a, a possibility. And, and what concerns me about that effort is when you buy it from the Mint for something other than $1, you've got a, a paper trail that may not look good. Yeah, well, what if he traded for that silver dollar, though? What if what if he didn't actually purchase the silver dollars? If he did not get them from the Mint and... They got them from an individual. From an individual, perhaps. then you, you, you're you're there. And, of course, in, in my literary effort, that insulation, you know, to protect the individuals is the role of the Fredonia Transaction Company. Yeah, and if you don't know what the Fredonia Transaction Company is, guys, you should get that book, We Defy. And there's a sequel coming out for We Defy. Yeah, and, and that one, one of the, the twists in it is that the Fredonia Transaction Company ends up being the central bank for the Republic of Texas. Oh, I can't wait to see that. So, uh, in fact, I had some, uh, one young lady the other day. She won one of your books. i got to make sure that gets out today. So, um, I will check that out. I also have to put out the plea while, I, while I'm taking a little break here. I have to put out the plea. I need more poll workers for the election here in northwest Houston. And if you are registered in Harris County and you are listening to the sound of my voice, then uh, you can uh, you can be one of those poll workers. You actually get paid to do it. I don't know what the amount is, somewhere between 8 and $10 an hour. Um, but I'm sweetening that for you. I'll buy your lunch. Wow, what a deal! So, uh, uh, if you work all day, so you go there. Let's say, let's say it was ten bucks an hour. You make one hundred twenty bucks, and then you get a free lunch. So, you know, it's worth at least one hundred thirty bucks, right? It's <laughs> worth showing up. So, uh, anyway, guys, uh, come out and do that. Um, and besides, you'll probably find something interesting going on that'll be worth a story or two. And that's been one of the things about the, <laughs> the next literary effort is after doing the first one, people start coming up with you and say, "Hey, did you know about this?" No, tell me about it. And so I changed some names and a few other to protect, parameters. To protect the not-so-innocent. Yeah, to protect the, the incompetent and the stupid. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's now part of a, another literary effort. And so we're going to have some, some interesting things. It's going to involve the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, um, Texas Department of Health and Human Services, specifically Child Protective Services, are going to get a mention, uh, and so there's a there's a, a number of things that'll be in there which will be fun. It's going to be a little bit different from We Defy, and We Defy I put a lot of stuff in there that, for me, the the challenge was let's see who can identify where that came from, and <laughs> I've got one that no one no one so far has figured out. Us, uh, I may have to reread the book again. Well, okay, read. I'll throw it out here, and we'll see if the, the chat cats can go on Google, and I don't think they're going to find it on Google. No spoilers. No, no spoilers, but okay. And, and we defy, before the unit goes into action, uh, the last thing that he says, the, that the unit commander says to one of his uh, associates who's going to go back and take care of some of the logistical things, he says, may God defend the right. That phrase has a specific meaning. 
and okay. there's something that, that's associated with it. Well, we're not going to give that away right now. No, I'm not going to give that away right now. I'm going to let the, the, the audience work on that, and we'll see if anybody comes up with it. All right, good deal. Going to hit this tune, take a break. Going to be right back, guys. See if you name this band. One thing we can do is play some a little fun. Nobody's identified that though. So uh gotta say hi to Bobby Ritter with Rage Against the Regime, another great uh, radio yeah. show and website. You should check that out. Love that. 
Here with Tommy Attaway, and uh, while we were on the subject of playing music, I uh, wanted to uh, get this out. Tommy suggested it, so let's play it. like that anymore, and it's sad because there was a great orchestral arrangement and a fabulous vocalist on that. But uh, the words, Hail Columbia, Happy Land, Hail Ye Heroes, Heaven-Born Band, who fought and bled in freedom's cause, who fought and bled in freedom's cause, when the storm of war was gone, enjoyed the peace your valor won, let independence be our boast, ever mindful what it cost, ever ever grateful for the prize, let its altar Reach the skies. That would be the, the altar of independence. Firm, united, let us be, rallying around our liberty as a band of brothers join. Peace and safety we shall find. Immortal patriots, rise once more. Defend your rights, defend your shore. Let no rude foe with impious hand 
Invade the shrine where sacred lies of toil and blood the well-earned prize. While offering peace, sincere and just, in heavens we must place a manly trust that truth and justice will prevail and every scheme of bondage fail. Behold the chief who now commands, once more to serve his country stands, the rock on which the storms will break. But armed in virtue, firm and true, his hopes are fixed on heaven and you. When hope was sinking in dismay, when glooms obscured Columbia's day, his steady mind from changes free resolved on death and liberty. Sound, sound, the trump of fame. Let Washington's great name ring throughout the world with loud applause, and let it recline to freedom dear. Listen with a joyful ear. With equal skill and godlike power, he governs in that fearful hour of horrid war or guides with ease the happier time of honest peace. Of course, uh, Washington's name has fallen somewhat into disfavor these days. No one even thinks he was a great man. Yeah, well, you notice that's why nobody mentions the lyrics to that song anymore. I happen to have read two books on George Washington. I found him to be an outstanding individual. Yeah, and one of the things which we don't get today is after the war for independence and it's won, and obviously when the Constitution is being considered and uh, adopted, the near reverence which the states held Washington. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a man who literally could have been king, could have gotten anything he wanted, and yet you know, did his duty as a citizen and then retired. And, you know, that is one of the great biographies of Washington refers to him as the indispensable man. And that without him, the United States would never have been what it has been. And, you know, it's something that, of course, when I was still in school, uh, you know, it was still George Washington who could not tell a lie, you know, a great, you know, reverence, yeah. you know, for the man. And one of the things from the, the campaign, uh, best said by Ross Perot, and of course it's a dated quote now, we started with George Washington who could not tell a lie, and we ended up with Bill Clinton who could not tell the truth. <laughs> that was still one of the all-time great quotes, though. And now we got uh, Hillary Clinton who can't tell the truth any better than yeah. Bill, yeah. yeah. And uh, she's just not as skilled as lying as he is. Yeah. But uh, she certainly did plenty of it during her last campaign appearance. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's one of the things, you know, Chris Wallace, at least as a moderator, was the one that came the closest to actually saying, you know, hey, come on. Who's, who can believe that sort of stuff? But, of course, you know, any liberal will because you're not encumbered by reality. <laughs> Makes it so much easier, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Well, I uh, I happen to believe, and by the way, if you guys want to get in on the conversation, you know, we're just kind of freewheeling it here today. We're covering a lot of ground. It's 800-932-1980. Um, I don't think Bobby's ever called in on the show before, but uh, 800-932-1980, and uh, we can talk about some of these things. Or maybe somebody actually knows the significance of the phrase, may God defend the right. 
So if anybody does know the significance of that phrase, then uh, by all means, bring it to light. It's one of the things that, that editors hate about me because we argue back and forth. You know, that, that phrase, it, 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 grammatically, it's wrong. It has no meaning. You know, what, what's the deal? And then the other one was when uh, in We Defy, when the, the order for the trumpeter to sound, stand the horse. Well, mm-hmm. you're supposed to play the song. No, sound is a military command for musicians to play a certain song. Yes. So uh, usually the trumpeter. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a great scene in uh, They Died With Their Boots On, which, incidentally, uh, the director said he didn't care if it was true or not. He was directing the movie the way history should have been. But anyway, um, <laughs> when the, the Southern cadets are leaving the, the academy because they refuse to take the loyalty oath to the Union, yeah, uh, the... Uh, commander of the academy tells the bandmaster sound to Dixie, and of course the southern cadets march off to Dixie. They salute the American flag as they leave, Yeah. and the remaining cadets return the salute. Mm-hmm. And then of course they proceed to kill each other as much as they can several months later. <laughs> A little bit of history for you there. War is an ugly thing. Uh, it is, but uh, of course, you know, there, as John Stuart Mill says, there's a much uglier thing. It's not the ugliest of things. That cold, degraded state of man who believes that nothing is worth dying for is far worse, or something like that. Yes. I don't have the quote in front of me. But uh, we, we kind of find ourselves in the, in that situation today. I was actually looking, I was going to play it, uh, the, the trumpet command sound of horse, but I can't find it. Uh, it's out there on the, the net, but uh, it, it generally won't be recognizable because it's a, an old 19th century cavalry call. Yeah. And, but that was the, the command for the unit to prepare to mount and ride. If you guys have not read that book yet, it's it's really important that you do read that book because uh, i got to tell you, I found it a fascinating read. I did. I, I enjoyed it. And once you hit page 75, there ain't no stopping it. Well, it, it's a cross between a, a little bit of a historical uh, work and then uh, Robert Heinlein's future history. Yes. Yeah. I like the way you put that. I'm still looking here. I wanted I wanted to actually play Sound of Horse if I could find it, but uh, it's usually in a compilation of a bunch of bugle calls, and so you, know, you don't. It's hard to find it individually. Yeah, I did, and I do have a bunch of bugle calls here. Most of which they've only put us put the music in. They're not actually going to play it, but um, anyway, that would be great because I I love all that old cavalry stuff, and and I miss some of the pageantry of the old days. Uh, we're gonna hit a break, and we're gonna be right back. When we get back, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about Texas independence. And uh, the Russians wanting to uh, put poll watchers in. Yeah. So uh, hit it, Frank. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air. Your home air conditioning. 
conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beattie did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beattie set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually re- Reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. The doctor is in. And I'm glad to have all the rest of you in, too. We've got Tommy Attaway in today, live in the studio. Uh, Frank said denial of service attacks on the East Coast is going to make PayPal unavailable, and that will hurt commerce. I don't doubt it. Uh, actually, that's one of the things that uh, I've got in my next writing exercise is that the Chinese are going to take down every data center in the United States. Well, um, I suppose us threatening Russia will just help that situation. Well, you, you've got to, of course, 
look at where the interests are. And, you know, that's ultimately what everybody else in the world acts upon is what their perceived interests are. One of the things that they find difficult to figure out about the United States and why we do stuff is they're trying to figure out what our game is. But we don't know what our game is because we change the game every four years, it seems like. That's why they have such difficulty trying to figure us out because we don't know what we're doing either. And the school system has done its job in uh, in creating a lot of little idiots. And uh, so consequently, we have we have what we have. I mean, you know, now we got people. I understand millennials are voting in droves for Hillary. Yeah, well, the, the plan all along has been to destroy the middle class. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing the results of those efforts bearing fruit. And so what you've got, of course, is there are very few people under 30 who have decent jobs and good incomes. And those that do are, of course, the offspring of certain government officials and corporate executives, which yeah. is exactly the way it's designed to be. Well, that was, yeah, that's kind of always been the plan, though, or at least uh, for a long time. Over 100 years here in the United States, that's how it's worked. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that has been a stability factor and is a stability factor for a Republican form of government is small business. And the fact that any citizen can establish a business, can compete fairly, and can grow that business based on his own talents and the uh, ability to serve a market and do it effectively and without undue interference. And of course, since that is no longer the case, it no longer operates. And consequently, you know, a Republican form of government must therefore fail. And uh, we're kind of on the verge of that. So that brings us to Texas independence. And I, I wanted to mention uh, Russia uh, has uh, has indicated they'd like to come and monitor the polls here in America. And of course, uh, some Texans are taking issue with that. Um, I don't personally right now really think our problem is with, with Russia. I think our problem is with the current occupants of the Democrat Party, but that's just me. But a lot of things we've talked about here, the currency situation, the, the fact that uh, the uh, uh, Deutsche Bank may actually implode economically. Uh, how does Texas independence figure, that, figure into that, in your opinion, Tommy Attaway? If you're a biblically-oriented person, you're familiar with the concept of the remnant. Yes. Texas is the remnant for Western civilization. Wow. Now, that's, my, that's actually my view, that uh, the United States is the Titanic, Texas is the lifeboat. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, if we are able to successfully negotiate our way forward, maintain economic stability, maintain that crucible of Western civilization so that it can survive, there will be other states that will happily accompany us on the journey. And, of course, I'm thinking specifically um, Oklahoma, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, you know, a lot of the, the Western states, uh, you know, Kansas will, will come along, Nebraska, you know, the Dakotas, uh, you know, out to Utah. Um, and, and that becomes the, the core of putting it back together. And ultimately, California, New York, uh, you know, just kind of, of drop due to their own dead weight. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a struggle for Europe. Right now, the Eastern European countries are maintaining the, the core. Poland, Hungary, Czech Republic, 
especially the Baltics. Uh, you know, they suffered under communism. They recognized the threat of Islamic invasion. You know, they are determined to preserve the Western way of life. And, you know, so there's a potential alliance there. And, you know, what you're, I think you're likely to see in the, the next 10 to 15 years is a great deal of change in the world. And, you know, it's going to be a wild ride. I think so. In my view, though, if Texas were to go independent, I'm not sure that that can be done peacefully. Uh, and I'm not really worried about, like, the United States wanting to attack Texas in another uh, war of northern aggression. But uh, I'm actually concerned about the number of American loyalists that would, uh, they, they're not willing to fight for anything now, but they'd be willing to fight if Texas wanted to go independent. I occasionally have sobering experiences, and a couple of my recent sobering experiences here in Texas is that even Texas is becoming more and more like a third world country you know, in terms of the attitudes of the population. Uh, the, if we, we look at, at just a labor force, mm-hmm. you know, the statistics I have are for the United States as a whole, where one in four person in the labor force is not a U.S. citizen. Well, in fact, I read a news report a couple of days ago that said right now uh, that there are almost more people in America that speak English as a second language now than than there are actual natural-born Americans. Yeah, and the thing that, that makes a country, and especially one that in our model, is a common set of values. So unlike other countries, it hasn't been one particular religion one particular ethnicity, although, of course, it has been dominated by European Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the point was is that it wasn't exclusionary. And, you know, in other countries, that dominating either religion or ethnicity is exclusionary, which is why you see all the, the tribal warfare around the rest of the world as a, a normal course of events or an aristocracy that runs it, like uh, in Mexico. Of course, once I visited Spain, I better understood Mexico. And, you know, you, you have to look at, at the culture where these things come from. And the United States has overwhelmingly been a British, European, uh, somewhat uh, uh, interesting mix of the mad Englishman uh, <laughs> and uh, the country Englishman. Mm-hmm. And with the mad Englishman settling up in the Northeast and the country Englishman settling the South. And, you know, so that's accounted for the, the clash of cultures in the United States as well because of those antecedents. Well, the, uh, the Northeast uh, in- intellectuals, if I could use that term, uh, and I'll, I'll exclude Donald Trump from that, but the Northeast intellectuals, generally still view the Southerners as backwards and not well-educated. Yeah, and, and if we look at the Northeast tradition, it really comes from religious separatists. And so, you know, whether it be the, the Puritans or the Quakers or, you know, whichever sect it was, even the, the Anabaptists uh, in Connecticut, Rhode Island, uh, you know, they considered themselves to be the carriers of truth. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a strand of intolerance in that for other opinions and for disagreement. You know, they just don't debate well. 
Um, the Southerners have been highly individualistic uh, because along with the country Englishmen, you, you got the Scots and you, you got the Irish, uh, you know, who have always had a, a strong anti-authority streak in them, you know, very independent, uh, very self-sustaining. Especially the Scots, I think. Yes. And so, you know, that played into creating that Southern culture. And, you know, ultimately the, the difference between the two. In fact, uh, one of my acquaintances told a, a, a story, and this comes from a, a woman who was a, a northerner but served as a nurse in the Second World War. And she mm-hmm. said she saw the differences between men from the south and men from the north. And it resolves around how they, they perceive conflict. Northerners, if there's conflict, then they think that something went wrong with the system to cause conflict. Southerners consider conflict to be just the normal course of events, and their attitude is, hey, there's going to be a fight. Which side are we going to take? <laughs> I, I, like the, I like that look at it, actually. Uh, Trey Lillich uh, says, text it, better sooner than later. And, uh, and I, I kind of agree with that. I think the longer we wait to, uh, to put this into motion, the harder it will be. Yeah, the, the things that are of concern to me is that we may have a window of opportunity that is closing because of population trends. And, you know, if we are subsumed by the liberal tide, then it's much difficult to fight our way out. Personally, I think that world events are going to trigger the the stresses in the United States that currently exist in, in, in causing them to fracture and become open, and uh, it, it really pretends, I think, ill for the United States because we really are, at this point, two different countries inhabiting the same geography, and that never lasts. Uh, indeed, it, it can't last. So some people thought that if Hillary was elected, that would be the final straw that would actually push Texas over. I uh, heard one guy uh, that... Uh, said, uh, I think I'm going to start organizing resistance groups in Texas uh, for, you know, if Hillary wins the election. Now, i got to tell you, I personally believe on my own research, I, I see Donald Trump winning this by 10 points. And if I wasn't optimistic about it, I would not be going to Wisconsin, which I'm going to do on the 29th. We mm-hmm. still have a couple of seats available. If anybody wants to go with us, we're going to catch a bus, drive up to Wisconsin, and we're going to spend five days up there, and then we're going to drive back. And um, actually, four days up there. It's two days up, two days back, and uh, so that's three days up there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. All right, we're going to spend three days on the ground in Wisconsin. I was math challenged when I was in school. And uh, we're going to go up there and work for Donald Trump because we believe we can actually push Wisconsin over the edge. And we're not the only state that's sending uh, troops up there as well. But that's why we're going. And so... Uh, if Donald Trump gets elected, I'm afraid some people are going to not feel a sense of urgency anymore, whereas I believe that if Donald Trump gets elected, uh, while that's wonderful, I think at that point we have to double down on our efforts to to get uh, liberty in Texas. Your thoughts, Tommy Attaway? We tend to, to focus on the president as the savior, and the, the best reminder I have is Ronald Reagan. Now, you look at the Reagan agenda and how much of that was he actually able to get through Congress. Well, not nearly enough. And, and indeed, uh, while he did get some good things through and he did sort of stall uh, the communist march forward in America, 
uh, he didn't undo any of the damage that had been done by uh, Carter. Yeah, I mean, name an agency that was eliminated. Name Not a program one. that that was cut back and, and no longer exists. You know, this is ultimately what our problem is: is that Democrats, being good communists, you know, are convinced that history is on their side, and so any setback is mere temporarily, and you know, there, it's just a, a stall on the, the march of progress. Whereas Republicans are too concerned with being civil and you know not being thought of badly and having mean things said about you by the, the press, and so they lose every engagement. Well, that's where we find ourselves is uh, not moving forward in that respect. But uh, this is the problem with Republicans in general. They don't see this. They don't, and I, I don't even understand it, Tommy. I mean, well, I just true don't believers. It. True believers always have an advantage in any conflict with a rational person. Yeah. Well, I'm a true believer. I, you know, I believe Texas independence yeah. is the way to go, and I think that I think that I can make a case for that. Um, who was there? Was oh yeah, I heard Claver talking about it the other day, and he was quoting someone else, I think, but. Uh, he said, you've got to look at it like stocks. If Texas today was a free and independent nation, yes. would it make sense for us to join the United States and come under that, that uh, leadership? And, of course, the, the rational investor would say, hell no. Yeah. So if that's the case, you've got to look at it like you look at a stock. If you look at a stock and you realize, well, I would never buy that today, you should dump it, should you not? Correct. And, of course, one of the things that keeps things the way that they are is all of the deficit spending by the federal government because you end up with all of these grants and all of these programs that the state of Texas government is now hooked on. School districts are hooked on. Local and municipal governments are hooked on them. And they are afraid to give those things up. And if you want Texas independence, those are the bodies that are going to have to vote to make it happen. Well, I like the idea of voting to make it happen because I do see voting to make it happen as the closest thing to a peaceful uh, uh, exit from the United States that we can have. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I think there was a vote during the American Revolution, too. Uh, yeah. And of course, you know, one of the things is in 1861 there was a there were several votes to leave the United States, and ultimately, what it comes down to is the ability to enforce your edicts, which requires the military, which is uh, one of the areas where we're still uh, a little bit lacking here. Well, and, and this is where okay, modern warfare. You know, you pick the form of warfare which gives you an advantage and your opponent a disadvantage. Indeed. All right, going to hit a quick break. Be right back on the Doc Green Show.
One of them was a live album, but uh, I can't believe nobody in the chat room is even coming up with this. It's uh, it's amazing to me. Here I'm playing all this fabulous music, and nobody knows who it is. Uh, and nobody's come up with, uh, I think, the answer to my question either. No, nobody's coming up with the answer to your question. Nobody's coming up with the answer to the music, guys. We got them all stumped out there. Uh, we only got a few minutes remaining on the show today. Trey uh, said that Texas has an unseen but very willing army. We have more armed men here than most countries. All we need are leaders and a call to arms. Well, as Napoleon says, a leader is a dealer in hope. And so people are going to follow somebody who's going to show them how they're going to win. The guys who are out there telling us every day how it is impossible that we're going to defeat the tyranny, mm-hmm. that we can't have any possible hope of independence, you know, that the U.S. government has an infinite amount of resources and and, you know, it's impossible. Well, there are always constraints. You know, Go ahead. You have limits. Time. How many people have you got? How many people can you get? And, you know, at one even point... Even the American government. Even the American government. If we're, you know, if we got 325 million people in this country, uh, at best, okay, half can watch the other half, which means, all right, which half are working for you? Can you afford them? Can you pay them? Have you made sure that they're loyal to you? Well, you're making a good point there. Can you afford them? 
Uh, nobody's going to work forever if they're not getting paid. And this is, of course, one of the problems I think we had during the Revolutionary War. Uh, in addition to not having any ammunition, yeah, the, the Army wasn't paid for, for a couple of years, and they were ready to march on Congress, and Washington prevented that. Yeah, uh, by force of his personality. By force of his personality. and you know, it's not Showing you, gotta, you how great Washington was and how highly regarded he was. Yeah, and you know nobody was going to cross Washington. So uh, we don't have a man like that necessarily today. Uh, no, and we could use one. We certainly could. So uh, in the remaining minutes here, I, I personally do expect to see Texas independence in my lifetime. I don't think it's going to be easy. I, I, uh, I mentioned to you, I think probably the biggest problem we would have would be the, the Texas uh, uh, equivalent of the Tories if we decide that we want to go independent. Your thoughts on that, Tommy Attaway? Yeah, I, I think that the, the course of history marches toward uh, an independent Texas. I think that what we are going to have is a very interesting constitutional convention because one of the key questions will be what qualifies for citizenship and what qualifies for the right to vote. And when you really concern yourself with those two issues, that's going to determine uh, to a great degree your success or failure as a country. Well, so... Um you mentioned a couple of, yeah, we're down to one minute here, but, uh, yeah, so in one minute, can you, uh, no, nah, there's no way we're going to get to, you bring it up here right at the last, right at the last second, and uh, then we Well, then maybe I'll have to it. come back sometime. Oh, well, I think you're going to have to come back sometime, because I don't, I don't think we have, I don't think we have an, an option on that. Anyway, guys, I want to thank you guys for, uh, want to thank you guys for being part of the show today. On the Doc Green Show, I appreciate it very much. And uh, we're going to get out of here. We're going to be back on Monday. Bigger, better, and more full of fire. So uh, spread the word with your friends. Don't forget to visit our friends up there at Texas Smoke Depot there. Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg. God bless you. God bless Texas. Most of all, Texans bless God. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. 
Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. And I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for the day, Friday, October 21st, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hello, Melody. A lot of things going on today. Um, Things are up, down, sideways, in a circle. You name it, that's what it's been today. And it's a Friday, so maybe that's also part of it. Gold today did manage, still struggling, 180. 180 for gold, 1268. Um, and it's pretty much just uh, topping about the high for the day. So uh, uh, silver, 1760, up a penny, uh, just off a couple cents. Uh, certainly off the low though of the day, so it did it did climb back. Platinum was down two bucks, still in the downward trend, nine hundred and thirty six, along with palladium down ten at six hundred and twenty five dollars. You have, and you might still see pressure. I think 
palladium is what's pulling down that sector. And, uh, you know, because I really did think it was extremely overpriced. And how low she'll go, I'm not sure. But, uh, uh, again, I expect to see a little bit of a turnaround here shortly for platinum. And as I mentioned uh, throughout the, this week and part of last week, I really did thought we found the bottoms for both gold and silver. And it seems uh, that was the case. So USDX today was up 0.38 at 98.68, along with crude oil, up 24 at 50.87. And the paper markets today, they were up, down, and around. The Dow was down 15 points, 18,146. The Nasdaq, that was up 15 at 52.57. The S&P basically unchanged at 21.41. 10-year yield, 1.74%. The euro was down 0.43. Still a lot of pressure on the euro at 109. European markets basically unchanged overnight. So um, some of the... There's some interesting things uh, in the news today. Yesterday, Al, we reported on the Philippines president, Duterte. Yesterday, he says, well, he's severing the ties with the U.S. Well, he must have gotten a phone call. (laughs) Because now all of a sudden, he says, no, 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 no. He's not severing ties with his country's longtime ally, the United States. But just merely pursuing a more independent foreign policy by strengthening their relationships with China. And uh, so certainly uh, after he arrives back in the Philippines after his four-day visit uh, to Beijing, uh, you know, he had a little bit of a different tune. Although there was a lot of uh, the, the people of the Philippines were burning U.S. flags and so forth, and they actually did seem to be, uh, want the ties. He goes on and says, it is not severance of ties. When you say severance of ties, you cut diplomatic relations. I cannot do that. The Philippine leader told reporters at a midnight news conference in his southern home city, it is the best interest of my countrymen to maintain that relationship. Um, because then they can give us financial support or we can give them financial support. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll let you choose, Al. I, I, I guess we better keep our relationship with Uncle George <laughs> because he may leave us a bunch of money. Yes, yeah. yes. He said, uh, I announced my separation from the United States. Uh, he had said to sustain applause yesterday, so that was pretty much uh, so, yes, he, he got the phone call from someone, and, of course, today he's clarifying his comments to what he really meant. And uh, so so I thought that was interesting. And uh, That's a constant theme with politicians. What, what I, what I, I didn't mean what I said. Now I mean what I said, but a I didn't mean it then. Let me explain to you. Now I'm going to explain to you, and if this doesn't work, then next week I'll explain to you what I really mean when I'm speaking today. A true politician. And with that, a U.S. Navy destroyer destroyer sailed near islands. Uh, This was claimed by China in the South China Sea today, and that drew a warning for the Chinese warships to leave the area. The U.S. action was the latest attempt to counter what Washington sees as Beijing's efforts to limit freedom of navigation in the strategic waters. Uh, the Chinese Defense Ministry called the move illegal. 
said that the two Chinese warships had warned the U.S. destroyer to leave. And uh, this, uh, the latest U.S. patrol was first reported by Reuters, um, is expected to anger Beijing and could further escalate tensions. Uh, the destroyer sailed within waters claimed by China, close to, but not within the 12 nautical mile territorial limits of the islands. And uh, the White House did confirm the Reuters report. So uh, the Pentagon said that the Decatur conducted this transit in a routine, lawful manner, without ship escorts and without incidents. So um, seems to be pretty much what uh, Washington seems to enjoy is to, uh, uh, you know, just provoke. Uh, provoke. Yeah. Um, so I understand China enjoys it too, though. There have been reports in the last month or so of Chinese jet aircraft fighters uh, coming close to the islands that are claimed by Japan. Mm. Um, everybody's trying to provoke everyone else, and I don't understand exactly why. If we could, if we could just get somebody else to start the war, then we'd be happy. We don't want to start it ourselves. You understand? Chinese don't want to start. Japanese don't want to start it. But it seems like there are more than a few people that actually want a war. And you have to wonder, are they going to get, are, are they going to become sensible, rational, reasonable, and say, you know, people could get killed if we start another war. Maybe that's a, that makes it a bad idea. Or are they going to say, you know, just collateral damage, they die, they die. What's that's that exactly what, well, yeah, we're just collateral damage, that's all, mm-hmm. that's all we are. Okay. I don't think that would stop them. Um, no, it never war. has, really. I mean, at times... They don't get into as many wars as they might like to, but they seem, it seems to be. They have to have something to do, Al. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. If it's, you know what else? I think it has something to do with the quality of television. You know, if we're not really, we really don't have a good group of people on Dancing with the Stars, well, what the heck, let's start a war then. We can watch that instead. Um, but really, you, have a, you, you do have all these generals in these countries and so forth. I mean, that's what they're trained to do is fight wars and you know you can't you know it's it's just crazy just crazy yeah but you know we used to have this country used to have the department of war they changed it to the department of defense but when we were called the when it was called the department of war i think we were more of a defensive country and it was <laughs> our our military was prepared to defend us in the case that we were dragged into a war now that we have the Department of Defense, right. uh, they're not trying to defend. I mean, if they were trying to defend, they might protect our borders from an invasion by illegal aliens, but they're not going to get into that. But they are interested in instigating war and police actions around the world. And you, you wind up shaking your head at it because what are you going to do? And yet it just seems so irrational. It seems wrong. It's wicked. And yet people just, let's have a war over there. Let's go kill some people. I mean, we destroyed Libya. Libya was the wealthiest country in Africa. And our recent invasions in support of uh, the the overthrow of uh, Colonel Gaddafi just destroyed Libya. Ruined it. Um what, for? What, did, what did we get out of that? And I guess what we got was 
Colonel Gaddafi was threatening to create a pan-African currency that was backed by gold. And I believe that was the reason ultimately he was overthrown. I don't think he realized what he was getting into with that. Um, but he dared to challenge the supremacy of the dollar in particular and fiat currency in general. And that is a ticket for an early retirement. Anyone out there, if you're interested in early retirement, make a credible make a credible attack on the fiat monetary system and advocate gold, and you may be retired. Your jersey may be retired. You may be retired. Hard to say. But we've destroyed that country. What are we doing in the Middle East? We have no reason to be there. The only reason we're there right now is because we're dumb enough to get into this situation, <clears throat> and now rather than admit we were dumb enough, we're going to try to brazen it out and look as a, and try to leave it looking peace with honor, right? which is what we called it back in the Vietnam era when Nixon finally said, we're out of there. Peace with honor. Oh, bunk. Just more nonsense. And you don't even want to call it nonsense. It's worse than that. And it takes place. And the reason they get away with it, or one of the reasons, during the Vietnam War, we had all the demonstrations, of course, and even bombings and violence, whatever. <clears throat> Why? Because there was a draft. And kids that were going to college or college age could be hauled off to fight in Vietnam, and a bunch of them just said, I'm not interested in dying in some damn jungle. Are you crazy? I'm not going. And the result of the draft and trying to coerce people to go fight and perhaps die for some stupid reason that not, is not clear even to this day, uh, the draft is what really precipitated all of the, the political dissension and the anti-war activities that we saw during the Vietnam War. They ended the draft, and now we don't really care. If people are dumb enough to go vote, to vote to join, or dumb enough to join the army, Marines, Air Force, whatever, and get tangled up in one of these idiotic wars, well, nobody's nobody's forcing them. You know, so if you want to go and maybe risk your life, go ahead. I don't care. But there isn't. We don't see. So long as no one's being forced to go to war, we don't see. We don't see any serious anti-war activity in this country. And I think maybe we should. You know, we seem to go from war to war to war to war to police action to uh, whatever. <clears throat> it, it can't be right. There's something wrong with this. And as a people, we don't we don't stop it because we're not being forced into the war. So we don't care. So, I don't know. We can't uh, just we cannot continue to engage in war after war after war after war. And police action and police action in Syria, for example. What are we doing there other than maybe fighting to implement or stop a pipeline that ultimately comes from Saudi Arabia and heads to Europe? That's all this is about. This is about special interests and the ability to make millions, billions, trillions of dollars. That's all. That's why we're there. People are going to die. So some other people can make a bunch of money. And as much as you people might dislike Assad, he still kept the peace. Yeah. Well, one time, hmm? you know, Christians 
could live there yeah. and not be headless. Yep. And so, you know, again, he was also like Saddam Hussein. Yeah, these are not nice guys. They're not nice well, people. Who is, and who they, is in politics? And, you know, we have these people. They're still, well, they, you know, they, they do genocide to their people, blah, blah, blah. Well, take a look at what you've done to various people around this world. How many people have we killed for the sake of, you know, some sort of special interest? So, you know, it's, and, 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 if, and if Hillary's elected, it won't <laughs> You know, and, and I didn't take notice on this when on the uh, debate. And I do want to get into uh, some economics here, uh, the things that are going on. Um, when she described um, muscle, muscle, whatever, tomato, tomato, she didn't even know the location of it. She said it was on the border to Syria. That way, they could, muscle's not even muscle is not even close to the border. You know, and then she was saying some other things that so you know, considering you were the Secretary of State, huh, I mean, you should pretty much know um, the exact location of uh, so very few people picked up on this. I doubt if she needed certainly to the know media, the location of Mosul because I don't think she, I don't well, think she Gary got any bribes from Mosul. Gary Johnson didn't know what Aleppo was, so you know, I mean, tit for tat, but um, you know. You know, media lets her go, but, you know, something well, you small know, like that. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. It is little, but it's just something else that just shows you she, oh, she's evil. But anyway. Let's, the, the idea that you need to know all these facts is, to me, overblown. Donald what Trump, no. Donald Trump, could, no. But she was, she was first lady that traveled the world. She was senator in New York. She was secretary of state, and she's running on her record uh, of her ability to communicate with various countries. No, she should not be mistaken. I agree on her based on her experience, but I'm just saying once you get into the office, somebody comes up and says, we have a problem. Right? You can't keep you can't know everything that's going on in the face of the earth. My whole point. Somebody comes in and says you got a problem. Here is what the here's what the facts are as we understand them. Here's the location, and then it's up to the president, for example, to make some sort of a decision. The idea that the president right now should be equipped and able to say exactly what he's going to do with every problem that comes up. You know, it's just unreasonable. I'm and, not saying, and we kind I'm of not do that. saying they should know what they're. I didn't going to say do. you did. But the whole point is, anyway, that's, I want to talk about SockGen's Andrew Lapthorne. He's the global head of quantitative strategy. And he posed uh, this question to his bank's clients. And he says he thinks investors are in denial, in denial about how dim the outlook in, is for American businesses. He says asset valuations are extreme, returns are poor, the probability of losses is high, and the ability to recover any losses quickly is low. In particular, the strategist sounded an alarm over the state of corporate America's balance sheet. Company spending exceeds cash flows by a near record amount, a fundamentally unsustainable situation as net debt continues to increase at a rapid pace. We talked all the time on this about corporations buying back their own shares. They've used debt to repurchase their own stock and uh, flat. Uh, flattering their bottom line financial performance. They they also borrow to pay their dividends. And the U.S. corporate balance sheets are a major risk going forward. U.S. corporates 
are massively overspending. And um, he says, to be fair, servicing this debt load isn't as onerous as it might appear because of low interest rates. But what happens once these borrowing rates begin to inch upward? So the overall long haul, the performance of stock markets will be primarily driven by earnings increases. And that is, in, and the level of corporate indebtedness implies that any latitude to boost earnings per share by shrinking the denominator is limited. And we're going to talk a little bit about corporate earnings when we get back. Profits have fallen for five straight quarters. Uh, this is the longest uh, skid since the, the last recession. And that's according to the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Um, so corporate America is – and what happens when corporate America isn't doing their earnings? means little jobs are lost. Maybe some of the illegal aliens are going home. Well, I don't Voluntarily. They're going to make a buck here. The, We're going back to Mexico. Those aren't the jobs that will be lost. It will be the middle class uh, jobs uh, that will be lost. Hi, I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188. What's next, Melody? 
Well, I just wanted to finish up on this about the corporate balance sheets and uh, how, you know, foreign banks are looking at our, you know, corporations as, uh, you know, uh, there's some major risks in, in the very near future. Uh, or U.S. corporates are they're overspending just to keep their shares high. Um, you know, and as long as uh, the rates don't go any higher, as long as there's low rates, yeah, they could continue to service the debt. Not much difference than the government. You know, as long as the rates are low, yeah, they could, you know, they can get by and service the debt. But once those rates start to rise, you know, they, they can't pay it. And the whole thing collapses. And uh, uh, the level of corporate indebtedness, uh, again, implies that any latitude to boost earnings per share by shrinking the denominator is limited. And uh, corporate uh, America is facing that uphill battle to make money and may soon become more aggressive in its cost-cutting amid sluggish demand and scant pricing power. Payrolls will downshift this year and continue to slow in 2017. Companies are going to have to employ fewer workers, and eventually they're going to have to start laying them off uh, because they're going to have very weak profits. They already have weak profits due to the stronger dollar. Um, so, you know, unless things change and, you know, maybe we will see something change. Maybe we will get pressure on the dollar. Maybe this will be able to allow them to go a little bit longer, a little bit uh, further into the year and so forth. I think 2017 and again after the elections and I think come May is when you'll really begin to start seeing um, the cracks of our economy uh, begin to come apart. And the profits have have been a, a pretty accurate bellwether of, of the economy. Only once in the post-World War II era in the 80s have earnings slid at least five consecutive quarters without coinciding with a recession. In fact, I think it typically, if my, my understanding is correct, if they have profits down for two consecutive quarters, that typically signals a recession. And right now they're saying we're in a recovery. Uh, I mean, just look at this. We have a political system that is based increasingly on overt lies. People are just looking you in the eye and lying to you. But it goes beyond that. We've got a we've got a corporate sector that has devised schemes like we will buy our own stock. We'll borrow money to buy our own stock, and it'll look good. It'll make the relative. Dividends for shareholders will go up, and they'll be happy, but it's an illusion. It's not based on being more productive. It's based on devising ways to deal with the pressures that are being created by the government and the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve's latest Beige Book business survey showed restaurants are shelving expansion plans as wage growth erodes already tight margins. Pacific uh, Corporation sank as a railroad. A struggle to boost prices, Delta Airlines, they're going to limit plans to expand seats and flights to bolster fares. You have HP Inc., the computer maker, they're going to cut as many 4,000 jobs over the next couple of years. So, you know, unless there's some sort of a dramatic pickup in the U.S., which I don't see that happening, you know, they're, 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 you know we're going to see the pressures, you're going to see the cracks widen. And all those previous predictions, you can just throw them out the air because I do believe 2017 is going to be the, and it could be even in the fall of 2017 if we get that far. Uh, Joshua Shapiro, he's the uh, chief U.S. economist at Maria Fiorini. Um, he says it's coming. 
He says the pressure on margins is going to intensify as we go through next year. It'll result in increasingly aggressive cost cutting, which means much slower job growth, which will then weigh on consumer spending and the overall economy. And you know what? You mentioned about lies. And I saw something on, I saw it on the internet, so it must be true, Al. (laughs) But the definition of stupid is knowing the truth, seeing the truth, but still believing the lies. And Well, that's also called political correctness. <laughs> uh, Perhaps. Same thing. Well, we know, what the, yeah, we know what the truth is, but it's not politically acceptable at this time, so we're going to ignore the truth, and we're going to be politically correct. See? Which means you're lying. That's what political correctness is. You know, when you talk about the concept of being correct, you can correct, you're right or you're wrong. If we are politically correct, by definition, it means we aren't really correct in the sense of being true or false. It means as soon as you start talking about political correctness, you're talking about lies. You're talking about illusions, delusions. And my point when we talk about lies in society in general and in politics and in corporations and the rest of it, I look at it and I just wonder how long can this hold together based on lies? That goes to bubbles, it goes to artificially low interest rates, it goes to negative interest rates. They've got one lie after another and they, again, they stand up, look you in the eye and make you believe that this is all reasonable and rational. I think it's not. I think sooner or later this stuff has to blow up. All right? And I don't know, I'm not anticipating. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if we see another recession, okay. but that's not what I'm we've anticipating. Never the, we've never come out Sooner or later, this thing's going to crash. It's not going to be a little bit of a, a soft landing. Sooner or later, this thing is going to crash like a sports car piling into a, into a brick wall. There's going to be a problem. And, you know, if, if I'm correct in that, most of the people, I think, listening to this program would probably agree. Uh, you got to do what you can to protect yourself and make sure you're not in that sports car when it hits the brick wall. They seem, I don't see any way to stop the collision. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen. I don't see a way of stopping it. Uh, it's just a question of when, when, when. And also, who is riding in that sports car? I'm trying not to ride in the sports car. Hmm. Well, I'll be. Well, no, and I and you do make a point, Al, and and it's coming. And uh, you know, and the whole point of these are just more signs that you know they have created this illusion. They have created this, and, and have spread with enough lies. People believe the lies. You know, and uh, even, I mean, every day, every day, multiple times, um, anyone you talk to. Outside of those that really that you know those that mainly listen to mainstream media, of course, you know they'll tell you, well, I think there's something wrong <laughs> with the economy now maybe things aren't as good as what they should be, but yet they continue to 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 believe that their investments are safe and they feel confident that they'll be taken care of by the government. And well, that's because they're afraid to do their own homework, and they don't trust in their own perception 
And they have to. You're at a time in the world where you're going to have to do your own thinking. You're going to have to trust in your own perception. You're going to have to act on what you see to be the truth. If you're able to see it, if you have the courage to see it, the intelligence to see it, you're going to have to act on it. If you don't, you're going to pay a price. I don't think you can continue to just ride with the herd and think, you know, they used to say 60 million Frenchmen can't be wrong. Yes, they can. And same thing with a couple hundred million Americans. We can be making terrible mistakes, and I think we have, again, given up, you know, we harp on it on a regular basis on this program, but abandoning the gold and silver coin that's mandated in Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1 of the Constitution of the United States. No, no, we don't need that. We'll just, we'll work with this fiat currency. We'll use a piece of, we'll use a piece of paper that is intrinsically worthless and issued as a debt instrument, and we'll use that to replace our gold and silver, which were the foundation for asset-based instruments. And it'll all work out fine. No, it won't. It may have worked out for a couple of decades, a couple of generations. But just the same, this is lunacy. And insofar as we've embraced it, sooner or later, we're going to have to take our meds. Right. Sooner or later, we're going to be locked up. Sooner or later, we're going to be in the some sort of an economic straitjacket or a political straitjacket until we learn our lesson. And one of the lessons is you need a an asset-based monetary system rather than a debt-based monetary system. You learn that lesson, we can get back on track. Don't want to learn the lesson, can't learn the lesson, too ignorant to lose and learn the lesson. Afraid to learn the lesson? Well, we're going to we're going to keep on sliding downward until we get back to a reality that's based on truth rather than lies and delusions. So. And you should be afraid, and you should be very afraid if you don't protect what you have. There was a recent report from Moody's estimated that total unfunded pension liabilities, or the amount of pension plans, owe versus what they have across the U.S. state public pension plans, is forecast to increase forty percent to $1.75 trillion through fiscal year 2017. This, I just got this from Money and Markets. In fact, by some accounts, that figure could be closer to $4 trillion when you consider all state and local government pension plans. I mean, those are incredible numbers for unfunded pension liabilities, and we know most pension funds are going to have some sort <laughs> Of you know of, of those state and and and, and treasuries in, in your accounts, and these unfunded liabilities just keep getting bigger and bigger because there hasn't been because of such low returns and again bad management. And who is responsible for low returns? Federal Reserve government. Yeah, that's right because they're holding interest rates so low. But they can't raise. You have to engage in riskier and riskier investments if you want to make some sort of a profit on your investments. Ordinary investments that might other times be considered safe are no longer productive because the Federal Reserve has held the interest rate at artificially low rates for seven, eight years now. That's what the problem is. That's why people. That's perhaps there are. It's not the only problem. But it is one of the primary reasons why people who think they're, they can rely on pensions, government pensions, private pensions, whatever, Mm-mm. 
you're in a, you're in a terrible bind as long as the Federal Reserve continues to hold interest rates down. The pension programs are based on the assumption that they're going to make six, seven, eight percent return on their investments over the years. They're not. They're going to make maybe two under current circumstances. That means pensions are going to be they're they're going to just suffer. They're, people aren't going to get be able to retire off of the pensions they think they're going to have access to. And you can trace the reason back to the Federal Reserve, who said, "Well, we'll hold interest rates down next to nothing. Maybe we'll even go into negative interest rates." There's a brilliant idea, and it will stimulate the economy. Only it's not stimulating the economy, and this is a real. This is this is something that. I want to understand, and I'm looking for an answer on this, and I don't say that I have it yet, but we see the same thing in Japan. They keep trying stimulus, 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 and the Japanese people aren't buying it. They're refusing to be stimulated. All right, they lower interest rates, they print more money, blah, blah, blah. The economists say, well, this should make the idiots out there go out and buy more stuff. The people aren't buying more stuff. They already have everything they need. Maybe. How many shirts can you, how many cell phones can you have? But the system is not, there's something wrong here. There's something fundamentally wrong where the public is not responding, reacting as expected by the programmers, our central planners and governments that, well, we push these buttons and the morons will do what we want them to do. The morons are not doing what the government wants them to do. Part of it is an aging demographic, too. But they don't have the children. At least we have an aging demographic also. But but there's still a lot of money there. There's still a lot of money so far in those pensions and so forth, retirement accounts and everything that I figured. I mean, there's over $20 trillion sitting there, you know, that'll probably be given to their children and and grandchildren. So eventually that'll come back if they don't lose it before then, which I think that'll be the $20 trillion will be reduced to, what, $5 trillion? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's not likely $10 trillion, but it's not likely to be reduced by merely... Ten trillion by half. No. It's likely to be more, more than, than half. That. So, and and listen to this in California. Who do you think's gonna have to pay for those unfunded liabilities? Where do you think they're gonna, even if they reduce them, their liability is estimated at nine hundred and fifty billion. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Everyone who has a little job and pays taxes, you know, it's the taxpayer they'll go to first. After the, oh, absolutely. After They're going to have the idiot taxpayers, uh, the voters, the idiot voters. And there's a certain rationale behind this, a certain justification. As a people, we have been stupid enough to elect a bunch of incompetent, scheming hustlers and con artists into the cat house on the Potomac, which is the Congress and the Senate and the White House. We put them in there. We bought their their S, their their BS and we were dumb enough or optimistic enough or stupid enough or drunk enough or whatever we put them in office i don't know it's it is appropriate all right there is a certain kind of what goes around comes around there's a reflection here of the concept of karma we played the fool now we're going to pay the fool's price all right or at least some of us are the only thing i object to about it is 
the government right now says, listen, we got to get these kids, these young people, they have to step up and pay the bills for their idiot grandparents and their idiot parents. And the kids, if they have any brains at all, are going to figure out a way to say, uh-uh, we ain't paying any of that. These people were dumb enough to make these Government was dumb enough to make these idiot promises and say, I know, we'll, we'll use deficit financing, and we can enjoy ourselves now, and we'll leave the debts for our kids and our grandkids. <laughs> Isn't that a great idea? And, and, of course, it's a wrong idea. It's not a great idea. It's a wicked idea. We should be paying our bills as we go. There shouldn't be any deficit financing where we leave the debt to a free to to a, a generation that may not even be born yet, and it's certain and in many instances at least isn't even old enough to know what's going on, not old enough to vote, and yet we're going to leave them with the debt. The debt should be charged to whatever generation incurred the debt, <clears throat> and we should have you know pay-as-you-go system rather than. Deficit financing, and we'll leave it. We'll pull, kick the can down the road, and somehow it'll all work out. No, it's I, not going to work just, out. Before we go in, <coughs> before we go in the break, you know, we have to remember that we're going into break, and I'll just have to remember to do this when we come back. Right, Al? <laughs> yes, right. But okay. you're going to have to close all up. All right, we'll be right back, folks. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Let's go today. What I mean here, he 
Jim on financial survival. And what's next, Melody? I just wanted to finish up with these pensions and we can go on. But, you know, we're talking about cities, you know, you know, they all have problems. L.A., Chicago, New York, Philly, all the big uh-huh. cities. Um, remember, we've already had uh, Stockton. And I, I, if I remember correctly, it was Stockton who set precedence because they did uh, allow the... Oh, for pre- bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, and it's just not state and local governments. No, it is. You know, we're it's talking federal about, government, too. We're talking about also U.S. corporations and how yeah. they're suffering, too. GM. Again, these are corporate underfunded pension liabilities. Yep. GM, $18 billion. General Electric, $27 billion. Alcoa, 37%, estimated at 37% of total debt. IBM at ten billion or seven percent of its market market capitalization, twenty nine percent of total debt. So again, folks, that's a lot of money that they can't pay, and there's only two things that they can do, which are eliminate and come after the taxpayer. Well, there's a third thing that parallels that, and that's hyperinflation. You can get your dollars. Yeah. We're gonna, if you have your, you're expecting a quarter million dollars, a half million dollars out of your pension fund. We'll see to it that you get the half million dollars, but it'll only have about fifty thousand dollars purchasing power. purchasing power. Thanks to hyperinflation, mm-hmm. um, it'll be wiped out. And they, again, open repudiation. Just say sorry, we can't pay the debt, or they can do hyperinflation and in a stealthy manner, repudiate the debt. And it won't be obvious. Most people won't clearly understand what's happening, at least not initially. They won't anticipate what's happening. They won't understand initially what's happening. By the time they do understand it, it'll be too late. Their losses will be guaranteed. And we've been telling you this for five, six years. What can't be paid won't be paid. It is the problem. The debt is the problem. They did discuss it. On the Trump campaign, the Trump and uh, Hillary debate this was earlier this week, they mentioned they talked about the national debt, but they didn't talk about it in a credible way. Nobody is facing the fact that it's too big to be repaid. It's never going to be repaid, not in full. Some of it may be repaid, yeah, but it's not going to be repaid in full. It can't be, all right. And the other problem they've got is that the debt. People sit back and say, okay, we could just cancel the debt. We could have a jubilee like we do in the Old Testament, like they did in the Old Testament, where they canceled the debt every 50 years. Well, fine, cancel the debt. But the problem is, if you cancel the debt, you wipe out the correlative paper assets. There are bonds sitting in bank vaults and pension funds. And if we cancel the $20 trillion that the government owes on the national debt, and they admit to owing on the national debt, it's probably far more than that. But the official national debt's $20 trillion right now. Okay, let's cancel the $20 trillion. You can't do that without also destroying $20 trillion in bonds that are being used as collateral in banks for loans that are being used in pension funds. How does this economy hold together if you wipe out $20 trillion worth of bonds? The debt can't be canceled. That can't be paid. So what are we going to do with the debt? Does anyone know? I mean, this is a problem for Solomon. You better get Solomon back out here, and because this will require the wisdom of someone who is divinely inspired. 
How can you, you can't cancel the debt because if you do, you wipe out the correlative paper, uh, uh, the bonds, U.S. bonds and so on, the, debt, the debt instruments. You wipe out the value of those bonds. You can't cancel the debt and you can't pay the debt because it's too big to be paid. What are you going to do? And apparently the only, the only answer I can understand out of this is that they just kick the can further down the road, say, well, we'll just not, you know, tomorrow is another day. We'll deal with the problem tomorrow or the day after that or the week after that or the year after that or maybe the decade after that. And I, I don't blame them on one level for kicking the can down the road because it's all they can do. Can't pay the debt, can't cancel the debt. What are they going to do about the debt? And the debt is <clears throat> a terrible burden. Because insofar as we are obligated to pay the debt, uh, that means that whatever we produce right now is going to be diminished. Our ability, we will not be able to enjoy the fruit of our labor today because we're paying the debt on what we've consumed in the past. And there's justice in that, that's sensible and rational. But the problem with that debt is prevents us from investing in new businesses, new equipment, new technologies, more research. We're busy paying off the debt. We can't invest to increase our productivity. If we were not indebted, we'd be in a position, a better position to invest. We'd say, okay, we're making X number of dollars. We're not paying it on a debt. What we'll do is, well, let's invest it in some new technology. Let's invest it in some new equipment. Let's invest it in a new plant. Let's hire more people. Let's get to work. Let's be more productive. We can't be more productive while we have a debt that we can't pay. But we're still trying to pay. So we're caught. We're trapped. And what do you do if the whole ship is going down? And that's the way it looks to me in the, you know, the analogy of the Titanic. If the whole ship is going down, all right. All right. It's not my fault. I didn't make the ship sink. I didn't drive the ship into an iceberg or, th or tell people the ship was unsinkable or express this level of arrogance. But we're on that boat. How do you protect yourself? I think you've got to look for the life preservers. I think you have to look for the lifeboats and just say, okay, every man for himself. It's unfortunate and sad, but it may be that's the way we're going to have to do this, in part because if you have enough intelligence to see what is at least probably coming, <clears throat> then you have to distance yourself from the people who don't have brains enough to see it or don't have guts enough to face it. You got to say, look, these people are stupid. They're going down. They're going to suffer in ways that they cannot, that they can barely imagine possible. Now, do you want to join them or do you want to try to separate yourself from them and do what you can as much as humanly possible to protect yourself? And it seems to me that the reasonable answer is you're going to do what as much as you can to protect yourself. Huh? And you know, we do these programs where we try to tell people what we at least think is likely to happen. We're not giving you prophecy. We could be wrong, but we're telling you what the the best information we we are able to arrive at. Right? We try to communicate that. Some people aren't listening. In fact, most people aren't listening. They don't get it. Maybe we're mistaken, but I don't think we are. It just keeps on 
getting closer and closer and closer to exactly what we've been predicting for several years. <clears throat> we have, I have thought that we would have seen big trouble long before now. I am pretty much amazed at the system's ability to continue to function despite what I see as insurmountable problems, the debt being probably the biggest one. system keeps on functioning so far, but it keeps winding down, keeps grinding down, keeps slowing down, and everyone is lying to us. You know, I would have more optimism about the system, its its future and its ability to survive, if I didn't see lie after lie after lie coming out of the government and the Federal Reserve. They tell us, they give us false numbers on unemployment, they give us false numbers on inflation, false numbers on the debt. It can't. They shouldn't be lying unless they're desperate. It isn't even the lying, Al. What it is is the way they've handled the crisis back in 2008, the way they have handled every recession that we've had since they converted us to a fiat system. I mean, once we converted, hey, people knew in 1933 when they took our gold away from us, and in 1971 they knew exactly what's going to happen. You can predict the future when it comes to a fiat currency. You don't know the timetables. You don't know all the different little, you know, tentacles that are created from this system. I mean, they could could show up and, and be created out of anywhere. But you know what's going to happen. And at the end game, you don't know what happens from point A to point B, what happens in between, or from point A to point C. You don't know what happens in there. But you know what the end game is. The end game is inflation. The end game is a devalued currency. The end game is, folks, you lose unless you protect yourself. That's the end game. That's what we've been preaching. So we've been talking about, Al, for the past so many years, us ever since I've got into this business. That's the end game. We can see the future. We know how it's going to end. And so do and the people that started lies. this. And it's not the lies from the government. You can see by how they treat the problems. They treat the problems by printing more and more of that fiat currency. Every recession that we have had in the past, we never came out of. It wasn't through good economic fundamentals that we came out of those recessions. It was all different types of programs that were created by debt to get the consumer at more and deeper and deeper in this government, deeper into debt. All the recessions that we've come out through, through Wall Street, you know, through the bank, with the banking system, everything was created, the laws uh, uh, to bring us out of these recessions. It was, it's all I don't even know if it was it's to all... bring us out of the recession or conceal the recession from us. Well, we have been we deluded into out. thinking we're doing okay when we're not. We, we, this was a way for them to, you're right, to create the illusion that we've recovered from these recessions when we never did. So it's not, not yet, you can call that a lie. But to me, it's how they are treating. If they changed, say, hey, we're not going to do this anymore, and we're they just going to have stop. to see what happens. But we're at the point of no return. No, no. It can't be changed. No, no. It can't. The only thing that can happen is it can crack up. There has to be a crash. 
There has to be just a kind of fixed. utter destruction where everybody says, oh, my God, we can't resolve this and accept that. If we just keep on limping along, people are going to think, well, there's a way. Somehow we can work our way out of this. No, there's not. The debt is too big. We can't be productive while we're paying off the debt. We are caught, trapped. Can't pay the debt, can't cancel the debt. What are you going to do? Only answer is some sort of a collapse, some sort of a crash, maybe a third world war. I don't know what they're going to do, but... And you know, if, you if nobody's listening, you protect yourself. if nobody's listening, no one's protecting themselves. What what is the point of these programs anymore? You can go listen to these other idiots out there that tell you that gold's going to seven hundred, or you know, gold finger and you know, Swiss someplace. <laughs> and I'm sorry, how many times are they wrong? You know, like what's the point? You know, here we're telling the truth. Maybe people just can't. Maybe it is really true. Maybe people really can't handle the truth. Maybe I don't know they if prefer. they can or they can't, but a lot of people aren't. That's the problem, in my opinion. They're not handling the truth insofar as I'm able to see and it. it's Maybe hard to it. argue. It is hard to argue and show people, yeah, the doubt was at 6000 and today it's 18000 No, no. You know, it, uh, hey, and as long as it's at 18000 no one's going to pay attention to what we're talking about. But just as soon as that Dow, and you know what? There's only 30 companies in the Dow, <laughs> but it's the, the, it's the barometer. That's what everybody looks at, the Dow, the NASDAQ, the stock markets of the world, you know, Germany, England, you know, that's Japan. As long as they keep them up there, keeping them floating and keeping them where there's not too many, you know, where they don't have 3,000, 5,000 point drops, everybody's fat and happy. Once they start coming down, then people react. But this time, I think if you wait, you're going to be late. Well, that's, you know, when they do react, they're going to take whatever money they can get. If they see the stock market, the bond market, whatever, the paper markets, they see them begin to collapse. And in my opinion, that's inevitable, although I can't say when. And I don't think it's 40 or 50 years from now. We're talking within, you know, 40 or 50 months, maybe. But not Here we got an email years. before we close the program. We got an email, and Bob from Iowa. Uh, he says recently he's been reading the work of a few pundits that believe that the EU will come apart in the next year or two. The fear will attract a lot of foreign capital into gold and silver, the U.S. equities, uh, to be followed by the economic demise of Japan and then the U.S. All to happen in the coming five years. Whoever becomes the next president, the die is already cast. I agree. I pretty much agree. I mean, I'm hoping we can get through five years. I'm not optimistic. No. The, the probability of a recession or a depression in 2017 is something like double Very what high. it is for for the other three years of a presidential election cycle. And there is a reason for that. They don't let you have your recessions the year election year because it would cause you to throw the the incumbents out of office. They do have increased probability of recessions and or depressions in the first year of a new uh, a new office and a new administration because they can blame it on the previous administration for one thing. Incumbents don't have to take responsibility. They have two years to resolve the problem. If they can, they can be, play the hero. Um, 
2017 is the ideal year for a for another recession, and I don't doubt we're going to see it. We could see it as early as first quarter. We're out of time for this day, for this week. We will talk to you folks on Monday. Thank you for listening. We will be back at that time. I hope you'll tune in. And in the meantime, the good Lord bless you and me and Melody and Todd, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. never seems to be a single penny left for me. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
worried about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com, N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com.
Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You are listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. That is, is if you are able to listen right here on American Voice Radio Network, because apparently there is an East Coast uh, major uh, internet outage. I've been looking at this, and I, I could personally, I'm hey, I'm in Oregon, and I couldn't get to. Uh, the PayPal site for, well, better part of an hour. Well, actually, a little over an hour. And uh, now it's finally working again. But, uh, you know, apparently they've had some major uh, problems on the East Coast. I don't know how that's affecting, you know, people listening to our uh, broadcast. There ought to be, you know, uh, some of the streams working unless the whole Internet goes down. Because we have... uh, our audio servers are in like uh, three or four different places, so they uh, one of them always auto work unless the whole internet goes down or my internet goes down. Then there's a problem. But anyway, so anyhow, it is Friday, October twenty first, two thousand sixteen. It's about nine minutes after two p.m. Pacific time, and. Uh, if that's true, you can call in 800-932-1980, 800-932-1980. Or you can go to our website located at theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. All right, you go there and uh, you'll find we have a chat room there. And uh, people are chatting away in there and you can be one of them. You can uh, ask questions, make comments, or, hey, you know what? You can just socialize if you'd like. Hey, it's Friday. Socializing's okay on Fridays. You know, that's just a rule. Anyhow, uh, let's get to uh, things and stuff other than, yeah, there's an Internet outage. Okay, we kind of covered that now. I mean, what else is there to say? Uh, They don't know who's doing what. And, And, you know, if they do know... They're not telling us. Listen, this is something I want to point out. Throughout the news, we're hearing all this Russia bashing. And it mainly revolves around the criminal activity of the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign and the State Department's treasonous activities. Okay? And they're all upset because, oh, you are... You stole that information. That's stolen information. Yeah, but it incriminates you as a traitor. Oh, well, that doesn't matter because you stole it. Too bad, man. You know what? It used to be in the United States of America where if the cops got evidence and they didn't have a warrant for it, it was not allowed to be used in court. Well, folks, I got bad news for you. Those days have changed. You may think that's how it actually works, but that's not how it works for you. That might be how it works for people who can hire million-dollar lawyers, but it doesn't work that way for you. Judges now just say, oh, well, you know, okay, so they didn't have a warrant, but they found Bad things about you, you've been bad, you broke the law, and this evidence proves it. Even though the evidence itself was obtained illegally, we're going to use it anyway. And that's how court works. So shut the hell up, Hillary Clinton. 
cares how the information got out? The information should have been released anyway. You know, you, you know what? As a public servant, you shouldn't have any secrets. You shouldn't be allowed any privacy. Sure, in your own home, well, yeah, great. You can have privacy there. But when you're at work, when you're campaigning, when you're doing all these side deals, no, hell no. Personally, I think every government office in this country should have installed a webcam. And it should be fed live to the Internet 24-7. Okay? And if it gets cut off and there's no explanation, whoever's office it is goes to jail. Okay? Because obviously, if you can't explain why it went off, then you shut it off, and you shut it off to hide illegal activity. That's what we're presuming, and you can't prove you didn't, so you're going to prison. Listen, these people on the job, look, we all got this idea that, well, they have a right to privacy. They have a right to this. They're American citizens, too. Yeah, they are, but not while they're at their job. Get this through your head. They, when they are on their job, they are not American citizens. They are not part of the sovereignty. They are the fiduciary. They are part of the government. They are there to service the American people because they are servants. Servants don't have any privacy in the workplace. You think that's just my idea? It isn't. Go to any gas station. Go to any 7-Eleven. Hell, go to your grocery store. Look up once in a while. You are under complete, total surveillance, and you don't even work there. You're just a customer. What about my privacy rights? I can't even walk into a grocery store without being video well, <laughs> videotaped. Gosh, how old am I? Okay? Digitally recorded. All right? And neither can you. So where's our privacy? How come these dirtbag treasonous bastards get to go to their office in secret making deals to sell every American down the river and profit from it? Oh, and we don't get to know about that. Uh, we don't, they don't have to have any cameras in their office. But if I go buy a, you know, five gallons of gas, I have to be recorded when I pull up. My license plate is red when I walk in to go pay. My face recognition is taken. Yeah, on and on it goes. So you know what? I don't want to hear about their privacy. How about when you pull up to a stoplight? Again, look up. You see all those cameras? What do you think they're there for? To protect your privacy? No. Look, if we're under surveillance, how come they're not under surveillance? If we're going to live in a surveillance society, then everyone, especially the servants, need to be under surveillance. But they have twisted things around. They believe they're the sovereigns. And they got to watch their little slaves out here. They got to keep an eye on their collateral. That's what they count you as, folks. I'm so, you better start waking up, folks, because you know what? Okay, today, so there's a big outage somewhere. All right, so there's a tax somewhere. All right, fine. Internet still kind of pretty much works. 
Everything's still pretty much kind of going along. But one of these days, we're all going to wake up, and none of it's going to work. And it's not going to be coming back anytime soon. What are you going to do then? Are you prepared for that? Oh, I'm going to hate not being able to find out really what's going on. I'm going to hate not being able to communicate with other people. But you know what? I'm prepared for that. I'm not going to like it. It's not going to be easy. But I'm prepared for it. Are you? I'd say you better get prepared for it, and you better do it like within the next three weeks. Oh, yeah, am I fear-mongering? You bet I'm fear-mongering, because you got plenty to be afraid of, folks. And if you're not afraid, uh, you're not paying attention. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. There is something wrong with letting your fear paralyze you. That, in other words, is called cowardness. The same way as, oh, a hero. You think heroes aren't afraid? Only crazy people are not afraid because, well, they're crazy. Heroes are afraid. They just power through it and do what they got to do regardless of being afraid. That's the difference between being a hero and being a coward. Everybody's afraid when somebody's shooting at you. Everybody's afraid when somebody's trying to kill you or steal everything you own or anything like that. Everybody's afraid except, again, crazy people. The difference is how you act, not how you feel. Everybody feels afraid. Are you going to get through it? Are you going to do what needs to be done anyway? Or are you going to get under your desk and shut her in place? Yeah. Home of the brave, really? Home of the brave? Our government's advice to all of us, if somebody were, hey, if somebody gets into your building where you're at and starts killing everybody, uh, get under your desk and shut her in place. Oh, really? Wow, that's great advice, isn't it? Home of the brave would be telling their people, hey, if somebody busts into the building you're in and starts shooting everybody, get your concealed weapon and go blow his brains out and stop the carnage. That's what they would tell people, but oh my gosh, that's so scary. Cowards, okay? And it's not, you know, people are not born. A coward, I don't think. I could be wrong, but I don't think people are born cowards. They're taught to be cowards. And the federal government is teaching your children to be cowards. Get under your desk, Junior. There's a gunman here. And gunmen, you know, there's nothing gunmen hate more than moving targets. So you just shut her under your desk and make yourself a nice target for the gunman, would you? But don't worry. And, hey, it's okay. You know what? You should let your feminine side out. Maybe squeeze out a few tears. Huh? Yeah. Great advice. That's almost as good advice as as telling uh, Americans, well, you need to prepare uh, for a nuclear war and chemical and biological attack and uh, yada, 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 yada. And uh, what you need to do is you need to get yourself some plastic and duct tape. That's the answer.
That's all you need. Just get you some duct tape and plastic, and you'll be a-okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm not making this stuff up, okay? That was really their solution. It's it's amazing. I mean, it's just, it's sad. But it's true. And here we are. So what are you going to do? Can you change things? Do you think, hey, what do you think? Do you think... Now, listen, I want to qualify this because I do. Anybody who wants to vote out there, if you're going to vote, I really pray that you will vote for Donald Trump. However, do you really think that electing Donald Trump is, what do you think that's going to fix? Hmm? Do you think it's going to fix anything, or do you think that it's just going to prolong our suffering? Look on the bright side. We may just collapse into economic uh, downfall, and uh, you know civilization will end that way, rather than a nuclear mushroom cloud that kills us all. I mean, hey, either way, there's going to be tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people die. Are you going to be one of them? Well, you know, look, no matter how much preparation anybody takes, you know, we could die. Anything can happen. But, you know, all you can do is better your odds, man. So I suggest you get to bettering your odds now while you still have a chance. Speaking of economic collapse, China holdings of U.S. Treasuries dropped to almost four-year low. Oh, so China's dumping U.S. debt. The biggest foreign holder of U.S. debt had uh, $1.19 trillion in bonds, notes, and bills in August, down $33.7 billion from the prior month, the biggest drop since 2013, according to U.S. Treasury data. See, what's happening is, look, these bonds are worthless. They're worthless, and, uh, you know, unless you can get somebody to take them. And here in the United States, oh, no problem. We're going to convert these bonds into, you know, what is it? Uh... $33.7 billion? Eh, we're going to convert $33.7 billion in bonds into uh, apartment buildings. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, commercial buildings. And, uh, yeah, other things that are in the United States that are tangible. It's called a foothold, folks. Okay? You understand what the Chinese are doing? They've been at this for thousands of years. So these jackass criminals in Washington, D.C., if they think they're going to outmaneuver or outsmart the Chinese, uh, they're kind of stupid. These guys have been at this sort of thing a lot longer than them, and they're patient. They are quietly creating a foothold in this country. So when everything collapses... And everybody figures, well, you know, okay, so everything's collapsed. You know, there's 100 million dead. Everybody's licking their wounds and go back to where they live. The Chinese will be here. I'm not saying the Chinese army. Listen, the Chinese, can, okay, can you go through the Chinese history? Have the Chinese ever attacked anybody outside of their region? I'm waiting. 
I'm waiting for somebody somewhere to tell me, because they haven't. They're only concerned with Asia. And yes, they do feel they should be in charge in Asia. But then again, the Japanese feel they should be in charge in Asia. The Koreans feel they should be in charge in Asia. See, Asians, like Latinos, are very racist people. And I don't say that disparagingly. Okay? I don't, I, look, I don't see anything wrong with racism. You know, in a, look, even in business, if I don't want to do business with you, what does it matter why I don't want to do business with you? I don't like your hair. I don't like the way you, the color of your skin is. I don't like your accent. I don't like the look in your face. I just don't like you, so I'm not doing business with you. Fine. Look, business is business. And if you want to cut off a segment of customers because you don't like something about them, that's your prerogative. You don't have a right to shop anywhere you want. Business owners have a right to refuse service to anybody. In my idea of things, the America I grew up in, what happened to we refuse the right to, res uh, to refuse service to anyone? Oh, except this one, that one, this one, except everybody except a white man, okay? We can refuse service to white men, but nobody else, because that would be racist. But, of course, refusing service to a white man, oh, that's okay. Well, tell you what. If you're a business, and let's say you live somewhere where, okay, so you've got 15% Latino, 15% black, okay, and say, you know, 5% Asian. So you got 35% there. And are Now listen, in business, can you really afford to alienate 35% of your potential customer base? Most businesses cannot do that. And if you're one that can, then good for you. Do what you want. It's your business. But most businesses, whether they don't like certain people or they do, it doesn't matter. They're not going to just say, look, uh, we don't serve blacks, we don't serve Latinos, we don't serve faggots, we don't serve this, and, you know... Oh, okay, so wow, you know, now you're up to about 40% that you don't serve. And really, okay, if you can stay in business and do that, why shouldn't you be allowed to? Because you are losing money. But if you're willing to pay for your beliefs, well, what the heck? But no, no, see, that's just no good. See, because our government is against freedom. And you say, well, yeah, but where's the freedom for the customer? Well, the freedom for the customer is go shop somewhere else where they like you. What? You live in a place where there's only one grocery store? You live in a place where there's only one of anything? Go shop somewhere else. That's what I do. Oh, fine, you don't like me? I'll go spend my money elsewhere. Oh, and one other thing. I will tell every single everybody that I ever meet not to shop at your place because you're jerks. Spend your money elsewhere. There's lots of other places to go in any business, pretty much. 
well, you know, not the phone company, not not the electric company, not those. Because the government has allowed monopoly in those places. And we see how good that's worked out. I don't know about you, but my electricity rates have steadily increased year after year after year after year. Even when they go, oh, well, uh, there's no rate increase. But, gee, then why is my bill 10 bucks more now? Oh, because we have a surcharge and a fee and a this and a that and a that. Well, you check your bill, folks, and you'll see all these things that are not regulated. The government likes to tell you, well, we got the SEC, we got that this and that and the other thing, and they're, you know, they got to come and ask us if they want a rate increase. Yeah, if they want a per kilowatt rate increase, yeah, they got to go to the PUC. I said SEC, sorry. But, hey. For one thing, the Public Utility Commission always, every time, has never denied a rate increase. But if the electric company feels that, well, this isn't the right time to do this, they'll just add a surcharge. Like UPS. Oh, we're not raising our rates. Oh, no. It's still the same for this. But because gasoline went up in price, uh, we're putting a fuel surcharge on you. Hey, let me ask UPS something. When fuel prices came down, did you say we're giving you a fuel discount? Hell no. It only goes one way. But see, you don't have to go to UPS. You could go to FedEx. You could go to the post office. There's other courier companies you could use. But not so much with the electric company. You're kind of stuck with them, regardless of what they say. That, oh, you can buy power from any... No, you can't. That's a lie. That's a bald-faced lie. They don't let you do that. Not where I live. Heck, like I said, I can't even get DSL from anybody except the phone company here. Because they have a monopoly where I live. And they'll charge whatever the hell they want to charge. And they'll tack on all the surcharges they want to tack on. And there ain't a thing I can do about it because I don't have any choices because the government has allowed them a monopoly. That is not freedom. But we live in a country where, sadly, the majority of Americans are afraid of freedom. They are. They're afraid of their own freedom. But, 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 but what if the, if the government fell? Well, if the government wasn't here, what would we do? I mean, the government is, what, what's the government done for you lately? You can say, well, they build the roads. Well, really, they build the roads, do they? Have you seen the companies building the roads? They're not government. They're not the county or the state. Oh, there goes the state dump truck. Oh, there's the state backhoe. Oh, there no. They hire out private companies. And who they, how do they pay them? Oh, with money they stole from you. For projects you might not want. Like we've got going on down here in southern Oregon. They keep screwing around with getting off the highway into town. And they build these big, convoluted, really, really expensive projects that don't do anything. Oh, sure, they're brand new, they look great, and oh, that's nice. That's It's nice. That's just great. But what's the purpose? It's not making my life better. It's not doing anything for me. 
Who is it benefiting? It's benefiting the government because what they're doing is they're creating easier, quicker, nicer access so they can build more things and charge more taxes so they can spend more of our money. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit.
that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Friday, October 21st, 2016, about 12, uh, <laughs> 2.42, not 12, 2.42. Out here on the Pacific Time Coast, 800-932-1980. Last chance for this week to call in, 800-932-1980. Got about, uh, well, 10 minutes left, so uh, if you're going to do it, do it now. All right. Let's get to some news, shall we? So we got the China holding thing. They're they're get they're dumping the debt. <laughs> Why? Well, because it's garbage. They understand that. Those bonds are worthless. Okay? Here's something to uh you know, uh throw a little <laughs> Monkey wrench in evolution. Oh, man, that's just too funny. Anyway, monkeys create stone tools forcing scientists to rethink human evolution. Oh, wow. Rethink evolution. Wow. Gee, golly, you mean one day all the monkeys everywhere took a vote and, uh, you know, half of them decided to, you know, evolve into man. And uh, the other half decided, nah, you know what? We're staying here in the jungle. We like it. We're going to stay monkeys and we like all this hair and stuff. So, you know, that's what we're going to do. And we don't, you know, really, the, the whole opposable thumb thing is really overrated. So we don't want one of those. So, no. Is that really, really? We have to rethink that? Come on, man. You know what? I didn't buy evolution when I was in school. And I was young and dumb. I really, really was. Oh, man, I fell for so many lies that it wasn't even funny. But I didn't fall for that one. And why? Well, because I went to school. And I was under the impression school is a place where you go to learn things. Well... So when they pushed that in science class, and, you know, I was interested, and I'm listening, and it's like, wow, this sounds really interesting. So what? We were in the ocean, and then uh, we decided somehow to crawl out of the ocean, and then we decided to grow legs and hair and become monkeys, and then the monkeys decided to become people, and but we still have monkeys. It always stuck in my head. That was the first thing that I thought, even as a child. Wait a minute. What do you mean we evolved from monkeys? Uh, we still got monkeys. How can that be? Are these retarded people that just are monkeys now? Or what? What's the deal? How'd that happen? Well, it didn't happen. That's what happened. And now they're finally starting to find evidence that they can you know, rely on that says, oh, gee, guess what? Uh, maybe uh, the whole evolution thing is just a made-up crock of poop. Of course, that's a scientific term. Uh, so you non-scientists out there not might not be familiar with, uh, you know, that term. But anyway, how about this? This should give you confidence. And, of course, oh, man, I watched a clip of CNN. And there was three women on there. And two of them were CNN attack dogs, Hillary Clinton attack dogs. And one was a woman on there explaining how there is a legitimate concern for voter fraud and election rigging. 
and not because oh I just dreamed it up and I'm I I don't think uh you know I think I might want to say that it's because there's a lot of evidence and she had the evidence and she's putting out the evidence and these two lunatics from the Clinton campaign just pretending to be CNN people were actually saying it doesn't exist it doesn't exist it doesn't exist and she just kept pumping out the the evidence, the facts, oh, okay, here it is, this is it, boom, 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 boom. And the only thing the CNN woman could say is that, well, I've talked to attorney, I've talked to secretaries of states from states, and they say there's no election fraud there. Oh, oh, gee, let's see. The guy who is in charge of running state elections says there's no election fraud. What a surprise. Oh, uh, what would happen if one of them said, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we have lots of voter fraud here." Well, you do. What are you doing about it? Well, nothing. Really, nothing. You're doing nothing, but you got lots of voter fraud. Really, you see, the reason they say there's no voter fraud is because they're not doing anything about it. So they can't admit there is voter fraud, because if they did, then they'd have to do something about it. And that would interfere with them running for office, see? That whole job thing, you know, that you're running for, oh, that gets in the way of campaigning, see? And you can't have that. So you just say, no, no, it doesn't exist. The problem doesn't exist, see? Because if the problem doesn't exist, you don't have to do anything about it. How about... Soros, you remember that name, right? George Soros, the traitor, the 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 infiltrating, you know, oh, he, I can't even call him a traitor because he's not really an American. So, you know, George Soros really doesn't owe the United States any loyalty. So perhaps he's not a traitor, but he is an enemy of the people of the United States of America. I'll, I'll say that. And as an enemy, I mean, he is a mortal enemy of the people of the United States. And they should hold him accountable. And they should hold a trial for him and give him complete due process and a speedy, speedy trial and then hang him for his crimes. There's another guy with a lot of dead bodies floating around behind him. Well, anyway, Soros Connected Company provides voting machines in 16 states. Wow, isn't that great? But that's not even the most disturbing thing. Remember yesterday I was, or the day before, ranting and raving about how we don't make anything in the United States anymore, how we can't even put together a radio. That's right, an FM radio. We can't even build an FM radio with all American-made parts. Forget TVs, forget anything else, okay? I'm picking the easiest thing there is. We can't make one. We don't make those things here at all, nowhere. So here's something else. You think it's a bad idea to have foreign countries that may, you know, like the guy in the Philippines. Look, uh, day before yesterday, he was an ally. Yesterday, he was, uh, you know, cutting ties. Today, he's an ally again. Wow, that's great. Why don't we have him make our fighter jets? Yeah, that'll be great. What could go wrong with that idea? So you think having military equipment made by foreign countries is a good idea? You're going to like this. Smartmatic, a UK-based voting technology company with deep ties to George Soros, 
has control over voting machines in 16 states, including battleground zones like Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. Other jurisdictions are California, District of Columbia, which shouldn't even be voting, Illinois, Louisiana, Missouri, New Jersey, Oregon, Washington, and Wisconsin. So, you know, watch those states which way they vote. Oh, gee golly, I bet they're all going to be Hillary Clinton states. Yeah. So, George Soros has a big financial stake in this company, and what's worse, it's not an American company. It's a foreign company. A foreign, let's see, we have foreign companies supplying our military with equipment. We have foreign countries support, supplying us with voting machines. Are you kidding me? How is this a good idea? Huh? Its website includes a flow chart that describes how the company has contributed to elections in the United States from 2006 to 2015, with 57,000 voting and counting machines deployed. Now, see, 57,000 voting and counting machines. Remember I told you about the counting machines? For all of you out there saying, we need to go back to paper ballots. Okay, that's great. As long as those paper ballots are counted locally by local people being watched by other local people. But they're not. They're boxed up, and somebody sits there in front of a counting machine and feeds them in. That information goes over the Internet to the, to the central counting place. Wherever they do that, it's usually the state capital. Yeah, that's a counting machine, and that's this one. 57,000 of them. In 2005, Smartmatic bought out California-based Sequoia voting systems, see, and entered the world of U.S. elections. So this is how it goes, folks. A U.K. company controlled by George Soros buys up a U.S. company and then starts, why would they do that? Is there a lot of money in voting machines? I mean, gee, you know, we only vote every, what, two years? What kind of business is that to get into? I mean, why would you want to, why would you want to, how is that a profitable business? I'm asking you. Could you run a business on, oh, oh yeah, okay, like once every two years, people want my product. Oh, once every two years. What do you do the rest of the time? Nothing? No money coming in just once every two years? And that's the kind of business that you want to buy? Yeah, you want to buy that kind of business when you want to influence elections, folks. Come on. According to Smartmatic's website, in less than one year, Smartmatic tripled Sequoia's market share and has offered technology and support services to electoral commissions of 307 counties in, three, in 16 states. Man. You know what? The chairman of Smartmatic is Lord Mark Malcock Brown 
who sits in the British House of Lords and on the board of George Soros Open Society Foundations. He was formerly the vice chairman of Soros Investment Funds and even the deputy secretary general of the United Nations when he worked as chief of staff to Kofi Annan. This guy is so deep in corruption and crime, it's not even funny. And he's running the election in the United States in 16 different states. We've got trouble, folks. The number of illegals seeking asylum to gain easy access to the United States has jumped 900% in less than 10 years. Meaning, in Obama's reign of terror... 900 percent. In 2004, we had, it looks like about 8,000. Okay? About 8,000. Now, we have 85,000. My, my, my. And uh, let's see here. You know, there's a story out there that, oh, some uh, retired military officers declared Trump unfit. Well, I tried to search this down, and they say, oh, there's a letter signed by 21 or something uh, uh, retired. Well, all they have is a quote from some female retired general. And you can't find this letter anywhere, folks. I couldn't find it anywhere. I think they're just making it up. They just say things. They just, well, there's a letter, and it's signed by all these people, but you can't see it. We're just going to report on it, but you can't see it. So all you folks out there thinking that, you know, when people talk about the shadow government and all this, that, oh, you're just paranoid, uh, delusional, tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorists, nutcases, right? Uh, I get that, and I understand, because it sounds pretty like, oh, come on, shadow government. Well, (laughs) guess what? One revelation in the documents came from an interview with an unidentified person who suggested that Freedom of Information Act's requests related to Clinton went through a group sometimes called the shadow government. Quote, there was a powerful group of very high-ranking state officials that some referred to as the seventh floor group or the shadow government. This group met every Wednesday afternoon to discuss the FOIA process, congressional records, and everything Clinton-related to FOIA, congressional inquiries, the FBI interview summary said. Okay? So, what's this? Yeah, did I say... FBI interview summary? Uh Uh-huh. So, I did say I was going to get to this, and I guess I lied to you. What happens when the electricity's off for three days? Well, you know, I think you should know. Uh, Let's see. Key observations. Many people have small petrol generators thanks to our lovely coastal wilderness and preoccupation with uh, glamour camping, glamping. Uh, but very few people had a store of pet- uh, petroleum at home, more than five to ten liters. I, where is this coming from here? I guess this is a, uh, this has got to be a uh, a foreign thing from, uh, uh, I don't know. This is, ob- oh, Australia, I see. That's why they talk about it in liters. Um, 
When the electricity goes out, the pumps at fuel stations don't work. To my great surprise, only one fuel station in my nearest city, about 14,000, had or quickly acquired a backup generator to work their fuel pumps. Well, uh, I was informed just yesterday, I had no idea about this, but do you know that the bank has control over the pumps at your gas station? Because every one of these gas stations is running on a line of credit. Okay, they don't bring in the money and then uh, pay their bills and then, you know, pay their employees and everybody else and then say, okay, what's left for me? There you go. Uh-uh. They run their places on lines of credit, meaning they borrow money from the bank as operating capital. And they've got to pay for that gas before they can pump it. And if they don't, the bank can shut it off right where they're at, remotely. So... If the electricity goes out, the electronic banking system goes out, and whether you get a generator or not, those pumps aren't going to work. You get it? See, this is way worse than it looks on the surface. Everything looks pretty okay on the surface. Well, everything's great, you know? No, everything is fragile. Okay? This is like, you're looking at America is like looking at a, a, a nice crystal glass that's really dirty, Okay? You know, it's got mud on it and everything else. But, you know, you can see, okay, behind all the dirt and crap, it's really a nice glass. Except it's like half on the shelf and half off the shelf. And, oh, hey, guess what? Anything happens. A big truck goes rolling by your house and makes the ground move a little bit. And that thing is going to the ground and smashing into a million pieces. Welcome to America 2016. That's where we live, folks. And you know what? You can't stop it. You can't change it. All you can do is deal with it. And the only way you can deal with it is to prepare for it. So I, I can't encourage you enough. Do what you think you've got to do. Look around and understand everything I have is all I'll ever have. Think of that in your mind and decide, do I have everything I need? If you don't, you better get busy while you can. Have a good weekend. I'll be back Monday. We've got good stuff coming up all weekend long, so stay tuned. As always, thanks for listening. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed 
designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333, 530-265-8333 and let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating. Gasoline reserves are low and the price is rising. World events are at best uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Silver All right, everybody. Wow, you are listening to American Voice Radio. It is Freedom Call, and I uh, want to thank our listeners because you always cover really well for me. I was talking uh, about uh, uh, Laura, who is a regular listener uh, from the Utah, Texas. She moves around a lot uh, area, and how uh, she was so happy uh, to find this one area that she could pick up the program and it was just waiting for her whenever she had the time uh, to listen to Freedom Call. And so uh, immediately I received an email from uh, one of my most valued friends, Carol Stewart. Uh, her code name uh, is Swim Fin or Biz Badge, I think it was. 
And uh, Bobby Stewart is her husband, who's a uh, master sergeant, special forces. He's the guy I told you that we were all jealous of because uh, the Playboy Playmate of the Year uh, flew in. And here I had probably in 1965 the show camp of all Vietnam. It looked like a big star, five-pointed star, which the outer uh, barbed wire, when connected, um, formed a a pentagon shape. Oh, man, it was a fine-looking camp uh, from the air. And uh, his camp was called Budop. It was in uh, such poor shape that they had to break it up. They called it Budop and Bujiamop. And instead of having 12 uh, men, uh, which is an A-team, they just put six guys at each camp. Well, who do you think the Playmate of the Year would choose to go visit but Bobby Stewart up there at Budop? I could not believe it. We were all prepared and ready uh, for her to touch down. And, uh, you know, we'd give her a, a VC hand grenade that had been uh, defused and and we threw some black pajamas and some chicken blood and shot them full of holes. And I mean, we were able to really uh, gift her. And instead, Bobby Stewart makes Playboy. And so ever since then, uh, some of us have felt a little uh, hard about that. But, you know, that was 1965. Anyway, Carol and Bobby turned out to be two of uh, my best and most valued friends uh, during uh, my command was special forces in Panama. And uh, just to tell you a little joke about how uh, special forces guys are and whose army are, are we in, uh, we were on a, a halo jump and uh, over on, quote, the other side. We had a little uh, ocean side uh, drop zone there called Venado uh, Drop Zone. And uh, uh, we had, as I recall, that day there were some thunderstorms, and the Air Force couldn't put us over the DZ. Well, uh, to get there, you have to ride a train all the way uh, from uh, our side of the Panama Canal, uh, 50 miles uh, over to the Panama City side. Well, there was no way that we were going to land at Colby Air Force Base and uh, de-rig ourselves and uh, get trucked up and go back up to the train station and take the train uh, home, uh, it just wasn't going to happen. So uh, I said, we'll just get out here. And uh, we all bailed out just short of a thunderstorm. I looked around as we were uh, falling through the sky like bird droppings and uh, geez, I couldn't even see the drop zone. So as we got down to opening altitude, uh, we landed in uh, some uh, pretty harsh terrain. I know that was my first encounter with a Bushmaster. And so the guys that were around me, uh, we sort of gathered up, and uh, I sort of thought I knew which way it was to uh, the ocean and Venado, and we would have vehicles waiting there for us. So as we started out, the first thing I did was run across this big Bushmaster, and he was kind of going the same way we were, (laughs) cutting across my trail. So I stopped, and uh, Pignata, who was later killed in a freefall 
uh, dropped, uh, was right behind me, and I said, whoa, we're going the other way. And he said, well, how come, sir? I said, look up there in the trail, and you'll know why. And he said, I agree with you. We're going the other way. Well, uh, all of a sudden, uh, my helicopter showed up, and uh, Bobby Stewart uh, came up to me and uh, said, Colonel, uh, could I give you a lift back to Fort Gulick on my chopper? Now, <laughs> it was cute. He was a sergeant first class, and I thought that he had such a great sense of humor offering me a ride on my own chopper back to uh, Fort Gulick. And so I said, well, uh, Sergeant Stewart, that'd be mighty nice of you. I said, why don't we climb aboard and uh, we'll get back to to uh, Fort Gulick where we can get about uh, our business. And so ever since then, uh, Bobby sort of uh, had, you know, that was an SF-type attitude. What a great way uh, to hitch a ride uh, on a colonel's helicopter uh, by offering him a ride on his own helicopter. <laughs> so Bobby and Carol Stewart uh, ended up being uh, some of my best friends, and they have continued to be my best friends. Anyway, Carol, is uh, <clears throat> she's the, the sharp edge of the bayonet in that uh, family. Now, little boys, if you look in my book, Call to Serve, uh, you will see the back my backyard at Fort Gulick. And uh, they're looking at me with all the loyalty uh, that uh, could possibly ever be was my white German shepherd, uh, Duke. And then there was my bride, uh, and, and next to her there was Michael and Melody. They were just little popper. And then here's this little blonde-haired, uh, this tow-headed uh, guy, that's uh, their size, looked like came from my loins. But that's a Stewart, and he didn't come from my loins. That's Bobby Stewart's son, who became a first sergeant and went over to uh, Iran, Iraq, all these kind of things. Got his own veterans radio program right now. So the Stewarts all grew up, and uh, uh, he doesn't have blonde hair anymore. Uh, he... You know, he, you wouldn't you wouldn't recognize him if you were to see him uh, in the flesh. But Carol uh, sent me an immediate uh, email that said, Bo, uh, here is the address if people want to get the podcast for uh, Freedom Call. Well, that was exactly what Laura was talking about. Apparently, she can show up uh, at any time, and she types in WW, this is, you know, all Al Gore stuff www.dot.the.american.a.m.e.r.i.c.a.n.voice.v.o.i.c.e.dot.com, and then you put a forward slash, and then a number uh, sign, you know, a little tic-tac-toe sign, and then schedule. S-C-H-E-D-U-L-E. And then it pops up, uh, apparently, with the podcast, and you can uh, hear what was on uh, Freedom Call exactly as if you'd recalled it from cyberspace. It's one of those, we don't know how they do it, Al Gore things that got him uh, so many prizes, even though we can't find him, Tipper can't even find him, uh, to divorce him. 
All right, so the podcast address uh, that Laura uses and that you can use uh, is www.theamericanvoice.com forward slash number. I mean, that's that little uh, tic-tac-toe sign. Schedule, S-C-H-E-D-U-L-E, and I, there it'll be. Now, if and if uh, Miss Stewart says so, it's so. Just kind of like my grandma saying so. Now, let me get to, to some of the news. I mentioned yesterday that the first person, as far as we know, other than maybe wives just getting rid of husbands, a guy by the name of John David uh, Duty who was a murderer being held in Oklahoma. Oklahoma doesn't cotton uh, to murderers, uh, to rapists, and so they give them the death penalty. And it don't make any difference if they run out of juice. They ran out of this stuff that normally they use to inject you that uh, causes your heart to stop. Well, the governor said, don't look at me. Uh, You know, make up something. So the uh, prison uh, authority said, well, we'll just use uh, this uh, euthanasia drug that they use to put dogs down. And so nobody really knew whether it would work or not. And they was wondering whether the Eighth Amendment uh, might be violated, which is a cruel and unusual punishment. But apparently, what's good for dogs is good for murderers. Uh, Killed him flat out last night, so he was executed. And uh, now that means, and probably, uh, you know, you go down and you buy it at the vet store, probably a lot cheaper than uh, you get that fancy stuff. So the Oklahoma uh, dead man walking uh, line got a little bit shorter last night. And all of those that uh, maybe had engineered or were praying for or happy about the fact that Oklahoma had run short uh, on juice, well, they I don't think they used it all, and they got plenty of the stuff that it takes to put dogs down. And, I, you know, in a way, uh, it's not cruel and unusual punishment, but I don't know uh, if uh, using uh, this uh, euthanol is uh, good or not? You know, they uh, they ask Will Rogers, who could have been president of the United States. He was half uh, Cherokee Indian, and uh, his mama was white. His daddy was a Confederate captain in the Cherokee Rifles. They never did uh, quit fighting when General Lee surrendered. Uh, they won every battle. Uh, they didn't wear uh, gray. And uh, they didn't, uh, they wore war paint and feathers. And those boys that came down from Connecticut and New Hampshire and places like that, you know, to fight, uh, and they were in that uh, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma area, well, they got whooped. They ran away every time. There was about six, seven battles. The Cherokee rifles won them all uh, because here they'd come riding them. Oklahoma ponies and whooping and yelling <laughs> tomahawks and bows and arrows and whatever shoot. And uh, the Yankees just said, uh-uh, we didn't sign on to this. 
And so they figured that going the other way was the better part of valor. And uh, that was Will Rogers' dad. He was a captain in the Cherokee Rifles. Anyway, he said when they asked him, uh, Will, where do you want to go when you die? He said, I want to go where the dogs go. Well, that's kind of, I mean, you know where that is. That's Rainbow Bridge. Everybody knows about that. And if you have a friend or a family member or somebody you love and they uh, lose because God doesn't require uh, the same loiter time on this earth of these four-legged angels that he does of us. And so if uh, when you lose them, it just tears your heart out. And, uh, you know, Rainbow Bridge is what you give people who have lost a dear companion. So you just look it up uh, on the Internet, uh, just put uh, Rainbow Bridge, and then you your search engine will pull it up and uh, usually have some wonderful artwork to go with it. And uh, I think it's the truth. I'm looking forward to showing up at Rainbow Bridge. There's all my dogs playing, having fun. Suddenly, they stop. They look my way. And then here they come. <laughs> so don't lose faith. Rainbow Bridge. And uh, now you've got the, the place to pick up our podcast. Now then, Larry King is also gone. They didn't give him a youth uh, a saw or whatever the drug was. He just uh, quit after 25 years. I was on Larry King's show, and uh, I got in a lot of trouble. Uh, not uh, with Larry King. We got along all right, but there's a guy named Piper uh, who is was his, uh, uh, what do you call him, kind of his... Uh, put the shows together for him. And so this guy called up uh, the house and, and said, Larry King wants to have Bo Greitz on his uh, radio uh, television program, the most uh, watched uh, interviewer in the United States, maybe the world. Well, uh, my wife uh, said, I'm sorry, Mr. Piper, but uh, Colonel Greitz uh, is otherwise engaged on that date. And Larry King's spokesperson said, what? Who could be unavailable to be on Larry King Live? I mean, this is the premier show. And uh, she said, well, he is a guest speaker at the Liberty Lobby in Washington, D.C. on that date. Well... See, I personally didn't know much about Liberty Lobby, and I didn't know a lot about the Spotlight. But uh, the Spotlight uh, was the newspaper uh, that Willis Carto owned, and uh, the Liberty Lobby was the political action arm of the Spotlight. Well, I'm glad I went. Now, later, I still went on Larry King Live, but now, they didn't treat me quite as nice as I think they would have uh, if they wouldn't have known that I put the Liberty Lobby first. But, you know, there's a lot of World War II vets. There are a lot of senior citizens that were part of Liberty Lobby. 
and we had uh, well attended, and it was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed talking uh, to those people that I had uh, something in common with. And so uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Liberty Lobby and Spotlight were just fine. I was on uh, the national radio uh, with Ray Breen. I think it was ABC Radio. The actual studio was in Los uh, Angeles, but Ray told me, he said, now, Bo, don't say where we are because every city acts like we are broadcasting there. So just uh, generically make uh, mention, if, if it comes up, you know, that you're here or wherever, but don't say that you're in L.A. And a guy came on and said, uh, Colonel, I got a question uh, for you. Uh, have you ever heard of the spotlight? Click. <laughs> you know, off we went to commercial. I asked uh, Ray Breen. I said, Ray, how... Uh, I said, I know there's seven words you're not supposed to say on the radio or television in those days. I said, but uh, what's wrong with Spotlight? And then he told me, and I still didn't understand. He said, Bo, if I even allowed the word Spotlight to go out over ABC radio, national radio, he said, I would be immediately fired. And I have worked for more than 20 years uh, for this network, and I fully intend to retire out of here. So I still didn't know. I mean, can you imagine being so frightened of one word that a national radio being listened to uh, by only the Lord knows how many people all across the country, and they hit the, uh, you know, they got a like a five-second delay they hit that delay and went to commercial to beat that guy off just because. And then I found out later that was the newspaper that Willis Carto used to print uh, out of Washington, D.C. Now, he got sued uh, by the liberals, the ACLU and the ADL, and they put him out of business. And he went to uh, California where he tried to print something uh, like the spotlight, but it never did uh, really catch on as far as I know. Anyway, uh, Larry King uh, is gone. You'll have to watch uh, reruns if you want to see about him. Now, uh, we got a break coming up, and it's not because I'm mentioning spotlight, but I want to mention to you the uh, toll-free number for RBCD Ammo. You know, I have forgotten this ever since I've been back in the hospital. I've been meaning to tell you, call uh, up the little girl at RBCD, because I don't care if you've got a 50 caliber, a Barrett sniper rifle, uh, if uh, you have a 223 9 millimeter, uh, 10 millimeter, 40 caliber, all this weird stuff uh, Winchester puts out, uh, the Mauser rounds, they've got everything now. Now, listen to this. There is no better bullet in the world for self-defense and defense of your home than that made by RBCD. That's why Roscoe Stoker, uh, worked for NASA, uh, was the inventor 
uh, of this uh, high super velocity. Now, you may say, because I have a 460 pistol, and the reason it's not a 45, it's a 460, is because they had to put a new barrel and a new spring, all kind of new stuff, because while the 460 Roland bullet looks like a 45, it is much more powerful. And when it shoots, it makes a bigger bang. It's got more of a recoil. But the RBCD has all calibers. It flies, the bullet flies about twice at least, sometimes three times faster than any other bullet. And it is frangible, means it bursts just like a fine crystal when thrown on the ground. All the energy is absorbed in the target. It doesn't go through and just keep on going. It ought to be against the law for the police to use any other than RBCD so they don't hurt nobody innocent downrange. And it has less recoil. So it's much better uh, for smaller people, for ladies, and this kind of thing. The number is one eight seven seven. This is toll-free. That's 877-688-5985. That's 1-877-688-5985. And the really good news is, and this has been this way for years, because Roscoe and I were friends, uh, his daughter and sons who continue the business said, Bo, uh, you remain our friend, because you were a friend of our dad's. And anybody that calls us and says that they're a friend of yours, we will give them distributor price on any of our RBCD products. Whoa. And so, hey, what a Christmas gift. The first load in all of my weapons, including my 50 caliber Barrett, is RBCD, and I've got 7.6239, uh, uh, I've got, you know, 223, 7.65, 9-millimeter, 45 Colts, uh, I mean, you just keep going, and uh, RBCD is the best ammunition, that's why you can only get it from RBCD, because they got a patent on it. Because it's all different, and you can't get any better. So uh, you go on the, you can either call them, or you can go on the internet and look up RBCD, uh, Romeo, Bravo, uh, RBC, Charlie, Delta, and then ask them. Say I've got uh, one of these Winchester. Uh, with some kind of odd, you know, they got 30-30 ammunition, 30-odd six. But you just tell them what it is and say, now, Bo uh, told me to ask you, do you have that? And they'll say yes, and you say, well, good. He said you'd send me some for distributor price. Get yourself loaded up. So when the police ask you, what are you afraid of? You say, nothing. All right, now we're going to take a break. So you stand exactly where you are and... We'll be right back with American Voice Radio.
Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare, while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating. Gasoline reserves are low and the price is rising. World events are at best uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call one 800 289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
right, guys, uh, we're back with you. And uh, there's a lot of news, and so I'll get right into it. But Frank and I were uh, talking and chatting uh, during the break, and it came to mind uh, that when the Flight for Life uh, came to uh, pick what was left of me up, I was uh, prone in my bathroom, unconscious. And by the way, you know, people have asked me on uh, email and, and Facebook and uh, to myself and all this, what happened? And uh, all the tests that you undergo all come up uh, negative. Uh, the only thing that uh, they said was, well, Bo, uh, you have an enlarged heart. I don't know that there's anything really bad about having an enlarged heart. Uh, back, uh, you know, in, in, oh, a number of years ago, I was running these marathons, and uh, 26 point uh, three miles uh, is is a long way. And I heard from a cardiologist that was actually assigned to train me when I was getting ready to go over uh, under what we call up. Well, it was called Grand Eagle by the government. There wasn't nothing grand about it. It wasn't an eagle. Uh, but I call it Operation Lazarus, uh, to go for our prisoners of war. Uh, this cardiologist was supposed to be one of the best, finest in the United States. He lived there in uh, Southern California, and he's the guy that got me onto the marathon. And uh, he said, Bo, what will happen is that your heart will uh, get larger, uh, but uh, it means that it can pump more blood. He said, now, if you were lifting weights, he said, your heart would get larger, but it would be muscular and would require more blood. And so I knew that uh, I had an enlarged heart because he said, uh, you know, we never really expect marathon runners to have heart attacks. Well, uh, I know marathon runners uh, that have uh, done the, uh, you know, the unexpected. Uh, and by the way, I was, I was talking also to Frank about something that might be important. Uh, we were talking about uh, Smiley, uh, who is my dog right now. Uh, it's an acronym, See How Much I Love You, Smiley. And uh, he has always been a second dog uh, to my German Shepherd. He's been through two uh, wonderful German Shepherds. And uh, Smiley, even though uh, the second one uh, was a puppy, and Smiley was bigger than he was, I warned him about being nice to Hartzell because I said he's gonna he's gonna grow to over a hundred pounds, Smiley, <laughs> and uh, he did. But Smiley's always been there. He's always had to take the right side when my shepherd was on my left. Uh, he's always basically you know, had to hang back. Well, now, Smiley is the, the number one dog. And uh, people have asked me about getting another shepherd. And the answer is uh, yes. I've, uh, I'm totally in love with the German shepherds. I don't know. And, you know, these border collies, I got some of you. Marcin, I'm talking about you. And Ranger, uh, they live in uh, Nebraska. And Marcin was telling me how smart Ranger is. 
He's a border collie. Well, those border collies are great dogs. But, you know, in Vietnam, we only had German shepherds. And maybe one reason I feel so sensitive toward the German shepherd is because we left about 4,000 of those brave animals that put themselves in harm's way to save GIs. We couldn't use uh, German shepherds in special forces because, you see, a German shepherd has got to be fed and he has to have so much rest. And you've got to have an environment where he's just not overwhelmed uh, with sensory uh, challenges. And in special forces, uh, we uh, didn't stop. Uh, We went uh, for more than 30 days uh, walking uh, every day as far as we could, uh, ambushing, raiding, uh, mining, booby trapping. Uh, It just, uh, you couldn't have a, a dog. But when we left, and we didn't do it, you know, in in Korea, World War II, they let those dogs go home with their handlers. And I knew a handler uh, that had uh, a big German shepherd named Duke. And Duke, what would happen to Duke if he was separated from Sergeant Hadley? That should be a criminal act. Well, there's there's thousands of criminal acts that have never been... uh, adjudicated, and a bunch of them are these German shepherds that were so brave that they left uh, over there in Southeast Asia to die alone in the hands of our enemies. Really sad, but uh, German shepherds are so precious. uh, They just don't live long enough, and uh, so I'm going to hang on uh, to Smiley. Well, Smiley is blind in one eye, and he has diabetes, and we got to give him insulin twice a day. And worse than that, uh, and God has allowed me uh, to be in his vicinity when he has these diabetic uh, attacks, these, these uh, seizures. And if you weren't there, they'd just die. But I've always been there. And just a couple of days ago, uh, Smiley was on the front porch, and I was kind of relaxing in my chair. And uh, I heard, I thought somebody had opened up the front door, but it was him. They thrash around uh, in the diabetic attack. Now, here's the secret. If this happens to one of your beloved, one of those guardian angels, you take Cairo syrup. I'll never be without Cairo syrup. You take Cairo syrup and you put it on your finger and you just, because you know, his jaw is clenched in these kinds of, don't worry about them biting you. But I, and you just run your finger over their gums. I run it over the top gum all the way around. And I'll tell you, it is like magic. You know, I'll do that with about uh, two or three gobs of Cairo syrup, and all of a sudden, Smiley will stop uh, thrashing, and uh, he will try to stand up, and he will kind of wobble around. Uh, it takes him a while. You know, he's disoriented, but uh, in about a minute or two, he's back. And so uh, that Cairo syrup is some kind of homegrown magic. 
Uh, don't forget it. And I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about this young man. He's 28 years old. He died. I put in the obituary of misadventure because uh, how many ways can you die? You can die of accident. You can, and that could be what? In a car, you can fall down, be on a bicycle. I mean, something could fall out of the sky. There are so many ways. When you look in the Bible, uh, you can find, uh, you look and see Samson. What did Samson do? Samson pulled down the house and took more Philistines than he'd ever uh, killed before in his life with him. Now, what do you call that? Suicide? I, I don't like that word. I don't think that was true of Samson. And you look at King Saul. He was the first king of Israel. And what happens? He gets shot by arrows from these uncircumcised uh, Philistines. And so he tells his armor bearer, run me through. At least it be known that I uh, was killed by the arrows of these uncircumcised. And he had some, you have to look it up in the Bible. And uh, is that suicide? And there are so many. I mean, you even look at the apostles who prayed to God uh, that he would take their life, and he, he didn't. Now, but you can lose your life, and there are so many ways of doing it. I wanted to caution you. Remember the young girl in uh, Pinellas Park, Florida, a uh, shy old girl. Schindler was her uh, her maiden name, uh, Shivo was her married name. Uh, her husband killed her. Now, he was a nurse uh, in the Pinellas Park uh, County Jail, and that's why I got arrested, because I wanted to look him face to face, and I wanted to offer him some of what he gave uh, that sweet little girl, his wife. Now, what uh, you do, and as commandos, uh, we're trained to do this with just one arm because uh, the enemy may be uh, armed. There may be more than one. So you keep one hand to defend yourself with. But all you do is you cut off the juggler veins uh, with the forearm and with your bicep. And uh, you can do it so easy that... Uh, people don't even really know that they're being choked to the point where they will lose consciousness after about eight seconds. Now, if you keep that uh, just slight constriction to, let's say, uh, 30 seconds, now it's going to take them a lot longer to wake up. And after about a minute, you begin to have brain damage. And you hold that for uh, two minutes, two minutes and a half, dead. Well, what this young man did, he was just full of life. He had every reason in the world, plus a little boy with the curliest hair I've ever seen, that is uh, only three. He has a young boy, uh, Andy, that is five, and he has a young daughter uh, who is seven. That's three great reasons. He, I know that he did not commit suicide. He did not. 
no more than Samson or Saul or any of the great heroes of the Bible. Now, I'll tell you, it, and I call it misadventure, because if he'd have known more about physiology, he would have understood this is not a good joke. And so I am warning you about this. If you put a constriction, and what he was going to do was play uh, what I think was a cruel joke. I personally don't see any humor in this. But he was going to cause his bride to think that he had hung himself. And so he arranged the strap. His feet were on the floor. He put the strap around his neck. And, uh, you know, he probably kind of flexed his knees a little bit. Well, that constriction was just enough to cut off the flow of blood on the two parts, your jugular veins, for lack of a carotid artery, some people call it. Uh, but it means you don't get blood, you don't get air, oxygen, to the brain. And in about eight seconds, what happens? Now you pass out. When that happens, your entire body goes limp. Your knees flex. Now your entire weight is on that constriction. Now the wife sees you and runs desperately, hollering at you. She is trying to pick you up, but you're too heavy for her. She's trying to loosen the constriction, but it's too tight and your weight is pulling it down. She doesn't even have a telephone. This is Sandy Valley. This is where the, the, the train stops, the end of the line. So she runs to a neighbor and calls 911. But it's too late. By the time people come who can assist, of course, it has been long over the requirement. Now, as a commando with one arm, I can cause this routinely, 100% of the time, in just eight seconds. And uh, if, I, if there's no enemy, there's just one person, then what you do is use both hands. It still takes about eight seconds, but it's a sure lock. It is called a blood choke. Now, I'm warning you, don't ever let your children, if you see them playing around with any kind of constriction, uh, if you see them uh, you know, trying to choke one another, uh, there, there are two basic commando chokes. One is called an air choke, where you crush the esophagus. This is a killing choke in very short time. The other is a blood choke where you are causing the enemy to lose consciousness so that you can uh, either move past that century point. You can kill them, but you have to hold for about a minute and a half for death. Anyway, please, please, please. There's been a terrible tragedy. There's three little children. There's a wife that uh, has everything in uh, the love of her life her best friend, and now she has her family, and it looks 
very difficult, the road ahead. I'm beginning because people are helping me. I'm beginning to, to come up with some ideas on how uh, she can make it. But let's avoid it. You know, death is not really part of God's plan. And you can have physical death. You can have spiritual death. You can have eternal death. And uh, you can die for many reasons. Look at the Christians and the lions. But there are these great promises where if you die, having become a believer in God and accepted God's promises, then the promise is that you go now because of Christ's atonement. You don't go to Sheol, as was in Hebrew. You go now to paradise. Remember Christ and uh, the man, the criminal on the cross next to him, and what he said to him before this day is out. You will be with me in paradise. And so if you look at uh, Luke Matthew, Mark, look, Luke 20, uh, about uh, uh, verse 24, you will see that if you are one of these believers, that you are in paradise equal with the angels. You can never die again. Oh, the promises are so wonderful. All right, let me give you a piece of the news before I run completely out of time. Obama has signed today, I was watching it, uh, it was 3.17, his time in Washington District of Criminals. It was about uh, 40 minutes before the radio program started. He has signed the tax cut. Now, interestingly enough, Pelosi, Speaker of the House, Reed, the president, uh, pro tem of the Senate, uh, these people... Bannard, uh, who is the new Speaker of the House, they didn't show up at the signing because they didn't want to be seen. I mean, there's Democrats and Republicans who didn't show up because they don't want to be seen with Obama because they think that this is Obama's Tet Offensive. Anyway, what it does, just so you'll know, nobody gets a tax hike on January the 1st. Now, I don't believe what Obama says. He says that he has just rescued 2 million people from poverty by extending the Bush tax cuts. And uh, what, he, what happens is he says you're going to see a bigger check uh, when you get your January 1st pay. And he says that there would have been 600,000 people lost uh, on this uh, unemployment because it has been stopped. But now it is part of the Bush uh, tax cut, and so it has been restored. So he says that he has saved 2 million people from poverty. He has restored uh, to 600,000 unemployed Americans uh, the uh, extended unemployment. And, uh, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit knows the truth of all things. It's not what happens, it's what you intend to happen. And uh, if Obama has done these things, uh, 
then uh, if he doesn't brag about it too much, because it says that if you uh, have gotten your reward on earth, then uh, you have no reward in heaven. (laughs) That's why when the FBI did their best to pay me for uh, going up and and getting the weavers uh, and bringing them down uh, safely uh, from uh, the federal siege at Ruby Ridge, I wouldn't accept it, not one penny. And uh, Gene Glenn, the chief agent in charge, said, Bo, we're spending the millions a day up here. He said, surely you've got bills to pay. Surely you can accept, you know, some uh, modicum of uh, money. And I said, you're not going to deny me my reward from a higher source. And that's all that I had to say about it. And Gene just looked at me kind of funny, and then I think he got it also. Anyway, uh, the first lady and the daughter, they are gone to Hawaii. Now, uh, Obama says that uh, he and the Congress are going to hang in there until he gets uh, some of the other things that, uh, that he wants to pass. And one thing that they're not going to do the uh, first responders at 9-11, can you, you saw all that dust. I mean, it was a cloud that nobody could breathe and stay alive. Well, you saw everybody running away, didn't you? Well, a lot of people were running toward. That was these first responders, firemen and policemen, to rescue people. Well, as a result, a lot of them are sick today. Some of them have died. Uh, A lot of them are terminally ill. And uh, they were going to pass a law that would pay for their, uh, the things that they need to save their lives, extend their lives, compensate them. But, you know, uh, Congress wouldn't pass it. And so the ground zero bill, as it was, Come known, Ground Zero Bill is one of those things that's dropped between the cracks. By the way, this... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.